Chinatown 2, Sly Stallone assembles his old friends and the greatest video game movie of all time this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Podcast Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the greatest anniversaries for movies, TV, video games, music, and so very much more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, my succotash, my succotash witch. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's me, Sarah. There it is. Eating, praying, and loving. (laughs) (laughs) What was the opposite you came up with recently? It wasn't live, die, repeat. It was. <laughs> that's not the opposite of eat, pray, love. Um, it was. It was like he, he just said it off the cuff, like hate, die, <laughs> hate, die, hate, die, puke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. puke, hate, yeah, puke, puke, die. die. Uh, puke, hate, die. Um, no, none of us hate die. Die's here for with the bring. Better be bringing the historical movie nonsense because I did not get a chance to see one of my longest standing curiosities in all of filmdom. One of the longest breaks in between sequels, I think, in Oscar-nominated history. Um, Yeah, I know. It's it's happening more and more nowadays. But, like, it Mm. used to be rare for something to get a, a sequel... 25 years after the fact but um and and there's and not only that one of my favorite movies of the 2010s is coming up and i and i got some really fun sounds for you guys and i can't wait to share them uh our we'll be talking about august 7th to the 13th in 1990 2000 and 2010 get it 30 2010 30 2010 years ago we'll tell you what came out and what was awesome and uh what we didn't think was so awesome and right off the cuff, I got to say, this show is executive produced by J.D. Holen and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time, where five bucks can support uh, the entire laser time network, Video Game Apocalypse, new stick of Star Wars up right now, uh, new bonus time, new 302010 games episode with special guest Chris Baker will be up this week. It is a long one, baby. Um, I have had a ton of tough times. If you could go ahead and subscribe to one of your favorite laser time podcasts, it would be a real treat for your old pal Chrissy. But without further ado, let's get into 302010. August 7th to the 13th, 1990. A little bit of news to bring you into 1990. Uh, nothing says this era to me like Joe Montana, and he has just signed possibly the most lucrative contract in NFL history, $13 million to quarterback for the 49ers for four more years. I think that is a drop in the bucket to current NFL contracts. But uh, Joe Montana is at least a name I know because he had a video game. Uh, I mean, uh, just for inflation. Yeah, just, sure, for, just for inflation. Pretty fucking good, man. Mm-hmm. I forget. We did that recently on Video Game Apocalypse to find out how much Nintendo's Nintendo Lego set was. That is a Lego facsimile of the NES, and it costs more than the NES adjusted for inflation. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say like uh, roughly 2.5 times that's what he'd be making. Yeah. I wonder uh, how much he got for his Skecher Shape Ups uh, endorsement deal. I can't believe compared to this, that's know? the endorsement you remember. Not Joe Montana's Talking Football, the first Talking Football game, which, which was always like, pass to center. I can't believe it. He's, the announcer <laughs> always said, I can't believe it, because there wasn't <laughs> enough room on that cartridge for color commentary. But without further ado, the movies of 1990, uh, the August 7th to the 13th, uh, this should no longer be confusing to anyone. Air America, 
No one remembers the, oh, the sure. radio station. Yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> the one with Rachel Maddow. No! Gonna... And G- for an hour Jerry and Springer hosting a listless three-hour liberal talk show after Al oh, Franken. God. Yeah, it was, it was all. It was a weird time, but I listened to all of it. It was kind of my where I fell in love with Mark Maron. Why am I talking about this? That's not what this is. It's 1990, and it, it looks like Mel Gibson has kind of a vanity project here. Lane Smith, Michael Dudikoff, uh, David Marshall Grant, Nancy Travis, Robert Downey Jr., and Mel Gibson in Air America. This airline does not exist. The map doesn't show town here. This mission is not happening. Well, then I guess we're not actually here. And we never told you this. You get shot here? Yeah. Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. are flying Air America, the first underground airline. If we actually existed, but we don't. I have not seen this for forever. Uh, Oh, I watched this. God damn it. (laughs) I mean, this was, it was a failure at the time. And people were like, after, between this and Bird on a Wire, people were like, what's happening to Mel Gibson? He's just not bringing the people in. But I find it more interesting that we finally have Robert Downey Jr. above the title. Yeah. He's really moving up. Um, So this is based on a true story in that the CIA did run a covert airline, quote unquote, flights uh, in and out of Laos, dropping off supplies, both, you know, humanitarian and not Other. and uh yeah during, during the vietnam war so mm. it was you know they were uh they like non-combat blackwater think of it that way they're they're contracted uh they don't get hazard pay they don't get uh you know a what's it called like a pension you know they're not technically military they're civilian but they're doing some military things and uh, it's kind of an attempt to make a vietnam comedy which yeah. Yeah. We don't have a lot of, I guess, Good Morning Vietnam is kind yeah. of the only one. But, of course, like, it can't be a straight comedy because Vietnam is uh, a fucking war crime. Mm-hmm. So it does get a little more serious. And they realize, like, oh, no, the Bert Kwok, the evil general, is actually using us to, like, sell drugs. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. I'm sure the CIA sure didn't know. Oh, wait, no, they did. They were super in on it. And then, like, they have to stop the bad general. Of course, there's just, like, one general that's bad, and the CIA is generally okay. And No. <laughs> Henry Kissinger should be in jail. Anyway. And, and um, who is more overall, ch- though, not good. Not good? Sarah, not I thought you said you good. liked it. It was fine, but it's it's not – I would not watch it again. Our, like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I did find a lot of the plane stunts were pretty astounding. Oh, yeah. There like, were some how did they do some of that aerial stuff? stunts. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. Yeah. Even that just at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Just at the beginning, Robert Downey Jr. is like a um, – like a – what's it called? Like the, the, the traffic guy. Mm-hmm. Eye on the sky. And like he lowers his helicopter down to level with a truck cab to yell at the truck. <laughs> like that's an amazing fucking stunt. Yeah. And then later they've got a guy just dangling out of a helicopter, just just barely clearing trees with his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh that yeah, the aerial stunts were fantastic, but pretty cool in in service of a movie that's just God shrug. No, there wasn't charming turns from Melly Mel and RDJ. Sure. Well, yeah, they're fine. They're doing what they usually do, yeah. you know. Well, it, jokey, jokey. Yes, uh, your memory's yeah, be- it's it's a buddy comedy. Your man. your memory's better than mine. Like my like my memory of Robert Downey Jr. in the eighties is like small tertiary parts and weird science and less than zero. Like, what was the thing that propelled him into the the spotlight to star alongside Mel Gibson, get above the title treatment? Did I miss his most recent movie? 
Hearts and Souls? It couldn't have been that. Nah. Yeah, he's just been gradually creeping up. He mm. didn't have like a, one big movie that shot him over the top. He's just been consistently climbing this okay. whole time. Okay. He didn't have a Denzel moment. He just it was just mega gradual. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'll like look back through his filmography to figure out like why is he a star now? Yeah. And I was like, Mm, and I, no. I always want to throw nepotism. I always want to throw nepotism his way, but like when you really look into his dad, like nobody liked his dad. <laughs> no, no, it's not nepotism. No, senior's a, a weird guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and here's uh, to to me the most bizarre thing to read about. I've always wanted to see it. Um, yeah, I had about you know a full I had like a full week's worth of work this weekend on tech supports, and I couldn't get to Madeline Stowe, Meg Tilly, Harvey Keitel. Jack Nicholson in a movie he directed, uh, The Two Jakes. The Mistress. He slept with a man so he could be legally murdered. The Mystery. Come on. You can tell me. The Millions. The name of the game is oil, John. The Murder. In L.A., you can be anything you want, but innocent. Jack Nicholson. In this town, I'm the leper with the most fingers. The Two Jakes. Starts Friday. I, I need. I I didn't see Chinatown until my twenties, and that's from nineteen seventy four, right? Yeah. And and would people see this promo and automatically like that's a sequel to Chinatown? Because I remember seeing these promos and like they, I didn't. It didn't convey anything to me that this is a sequel to one of the most well regarded movies of all time. There were not. I mean, there were a couple different ads that I found, and no, they didn't tend to underline it. There were some that were like. He's back without saying who he is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, it's Jake Giddis. I get that because I'm a giant nerd, mm -hmm. but I I don't know if they were trying to hide that so that, oh, if you haven't seen Chinatown, this will still make sense. Which no yeah, no. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Which is one of my massive complaints about this is that they end up folding in characters and story from chinatown right. and it really would have been better if they just hey it's a new mystery you know mm -hmm. just like sam spade has a bunch of different mysteries and uh, you know all those kind of characters that just they just keep going and instead of making it a sequel sequel just make it another jake giddis movie and I, I hope you like film enough i don't really want to have to explain chinatown to people but, or roman polanski especially but yeah well so i think Chinatown is basically flawless. Mm. I think it is an amazing movie. It is so goddamn good. Yeah, here's my recommendation. Roman Polanski, who directed it, uh, has done terrible things, and you should steal the movie. Just ah. pirate the movie so he doesn't get any money. There. Don't give problem him solved. the satisfaction. And yeah, <laughs> problem solved. Because it is worth watching, even if it's associated with terrible things. Because mm -hmm. it's so goddamn good. Yeah, like I'm not I, like I, I watched it on on in my twenties. Just like I'm going to watch every film I've been told is great, and just it kind of went over my head. But I have met an astounding amount of uh, people younger than me who watch it. And like that was fucking rad. That movie was mm. great. <laughs> that people yeah. who love Chinatown. So like, yeah, you'd think they'd play up more. Like this, here's a sequel to that movie. This character lived. Maybe his nose is healed. And <laughs> uh, and, and and it was. I believe it was proposed as like a new to launch a new film series this was not supposed to be the last jake Giddis, no. jack nicholson movie no they oh. were aiming for at least a trilogy 
and that's the the fascinating behind the scenes of it because obviously like uh robert town wrote the original uh um and he was going to direct this and then got an argument over produce famous producer robert evans because robert evans had cast himself as the second lead in (laughs) in this movie and got plastic surgery to do it and it, it says that yeah. yes, and it says it says the argument they they got into an argument because he refused to change his like nineteen seventy. Come Google a picture of Robert Evans. His hairstyle is hilarious and stuck in the seventies. He looks like a skinny wrestler. He looks like a <laughs> like a like like if Ric Flair's dad was like greasy. Like that's what he looks like. And it, it it it's it's ridiculous in that this producer non actor but like famous person was supposed to play a major part in this movie and changed his face. To something more cat-like, according to him, to do it. And then uh, they had a giant falling out. All the sets were destroyed, and everyone was sued into oblivion. And <laughs> I don't know. There, there's wow. This is one of those movies I want to see a documentary on the unmaking of. And, and at the end of the day, the only person left standing was Jack Nicholson. And I believe he was on the hook for some shit. So he like not only had to, like, I got to go ahead and make this, ah, shit, and direct it. <laughs> and it's not the only thing he's ever directed. Remember, uh, Jack Nicholson... You know, before he became a star star, like he just wrote shit, man. He was a screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did a little bit of that. And he's directed he's directed a couple movies. I was surprised to learn that. This yeah. Is the last he's, one he's he directed. directed uh, he's, his directing career is quite strange. Um, <laughs> like, he directed uh, one of my favorite bad movies ever, honestly, uh, Head, the Monkeys yes. movie. He's the credited director. Is he the credited director? I thought he was just the writer. Uh, I think he might be the director. That, or, move, that movie's yeah. fucking insane, and everyone should see <laughs> yeah. it. It's it's hilarious. It's uh, yeah, and he's directed like okay stuff, but that's not that's not his bag, baby. Um, yeah, so oh, uh, what to say about this? Yeah, please. Thing. I I'm, I'm pulling up. Uh oh, I'm sorry. You're right. He only wrote the screenplay to head. Um, he wrote Drive. He said in 1971, going south in 78, and the two Jakes in 1990, and. That's it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the directing is, it's okay. It's fine. I, I hear he's like, Nothing, he's, that's not the problem. I love stories about Jack Nicholson because he, he, he's, he's an unlikely looking movie star, but he's apparently like crazy professional and shit and mm-hmm. like takes yeah. everything pretty seriously, but also is like not an asshole to work with. Mm, yeah, so much so that's... Adam Sandler gave him a writing credit on anger management. Wow. <laughs> Dang. But also, remember, he's coming off of Batman. Man oh, can do what he wants. That's, uh, that's, that's why true. I didn't know who he was until Batman. And well, you're a little kid. I was a little kid. So, like, I, I, that's why I was so transfixed on this. Like, I, my anchor was like, is Danny DeVito in this? Okay, that I can get my head around. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I, it's been on my list forever. I'm ashamed I didn't get to it. Like, and the reviews are all over the place. Yeah, that is. Well, I was surprised because I know most people were like, uh, but there were some reviews that like they really liked it and they thought it maintained a lot of the tone of the original and, uh, you know, it's twisty turny and there's lots of uh, shady underground dealings and stuff. But I feel like it's all over the freaking place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like if you could cut. First of all, it is two hours, 15. You could oh. cut half an hour out of it and mm. you would have a great movie. But uh, there, there's just. Meanders and see... weird stuff, and then ties into the original, and then this character starts acting crazy, and you're like, "Who the fuck was that again?" The semi-famous story, um, Hollywood legend, let's call it, is that um, a, a theater goer got up in the middle of the movie and went to management. He's like, "Hey, man, I think your reels are out of order," and <laughs> and he's like, "You're right, they are," and no one said anything for three weeks. 
<laughs> You're the first person to mention this. It does feel like because I I rewatched Chinatown this weekend, kind of in preparation for watching this, and I was mm-hmm. really happy I watched Chinatown again because it'd been so long and it is so such a great, fantastic film. I did not, I couldn't finish this one. The, the two Jakes. Mm. It's just. To me, it felt like, especially watching them so close to each other, it felt to me like a TV movie version of Chinatown. Mm. Everything's very overwritten, overwrought, like just Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's it's not so far that it's like a parody of Chinatown, but it approaches that closer than staying to the than it does like stay close to the source material, I feel like. Mm. And yeah. I kind of, after about an hour of watching it, I was like, I get what's happening here. And I am not, this story is like a little too overwritten for me to really keep track of. Like, I was just like, I'm just not into this. Yeah, it could have been pared down and been Mm -hmm. much better. But yeah, I mean, there is heavy voiceover, which Mm. I get it because it's a noir direct, it's a noir detective movie, but the original has no voiceover because they show you everything. Mm-hmm. They don't need to tell you. Right. I thought that, this I movie, thought that was bizarre. They have to tell you. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's disappointing because like, yeah, there's, there's some interesting stuff in here and it could have been a lot better, but yeah, the behind the scenes, God damn. It just, it made me want to watch kids days in the picture again, because Robert <laughs> Evans is, God bless him. Such a freaking weirdo. I read it. No, I listened to his book on tape. I don't remember him mentioning this at all. No, I don't think he does. I also kind of feel like, too, part of my turnoff on this was that in Chinatown, you know, he gets kicked around a lot. Jack Nicholson Mm -hmm. does. In 25 years later, watching him get kicked around the same way, it it feels different. It's like, he's older now. Like, be careful with this man. (laughs) He can't take the same, like, beating up that he was having before. I know. That's the other weird thing is that it feels like it's 25 years later, but it's 15, and then in the movie they say it's 10. Yeah. you're like, "Mm, you've aged more than that, Jack. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. The 80s were a rough time. I get it. I get it. 10 years of hard living. I mean, Jack yeah. Nicholson, I loved as, as a kid after Batman because he already looked like a monster. He was kind of scary. <laughs> oh, to, he to look a upon. frightening looking man from the jump. He's been a frightening looking man. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Yep. That's one of my few complaints about The Shining that I know a lot of other people have complained about, too. It's like, the, the, this guy's already crazy at the beginning of the movie, right? <laughs> he already looks like a lunatic. Yeah, mm-hmm. It does look like he's lying in that interview. Yeah, yeah going to get yes. some writing done. You the fucking hotel serial has, killer. does not have to work too hard to push this guy over the edge. He's already there, man. Yeah. I thought that, that was the point, right? He's already basically there. He just The hotel just need the right person to come along. And, oh, and mm. Diana, if oh. no one's done it for you. We'll save that for our Shining podcast. If, if no one's done it for you, <laughs> Dr. Sleep, weird recommend, man. Not bad I, at all. I watched it. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, not bad at yeah. all. Yeah, like it. Fucking weird. Yeah. Two Jakes, disappointing. Chinatown, please go watch. Steal it if you want to. That's fine. And that's not even the movie most of you have seen. Uh, that is, oh, uh, man. Uh, from this week. Um, this was a... This next movie, uh, this is I a, love. a true cable classic. Kevin Bacon, yeah. Oliver Platt, William Baldwin, Julia Roberts, and Kiefer Sutherland, and Joel Schumacher's Flatliners. Today's a good day to die. It was a daring experiment. I'm going next. They were trying to find the answers to life. Why are you doing this? To see if there's anything out there beyond death. But they weren't ready for what followed them back. 
You withheld information that's the same as lying. You're not real. Keeper Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon. No! Flatliners. <laughs> I love this movie. It's really I, fun. I enjoy it. I, yeah. yeah, this is one of those where it's like, I feel like this is a dressed up B movie, but it's done exactly the way it needs to be done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agree. Like, Agree. This might be my, this might be, I think, Joel, I, is this Joel Schumacher's best yes. movie? I know people love The Lost Boys. I, I rather uh, enjoy. There's some other ones in there, but I, I, think this I, might I be rather his actually best movie. I rather enjoy falling down. Hate its fans. I know. Um. I know a lot of people. Uh, uh, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this is what he was best at. Something that's just the side of camp. There's a little yes. bit of little hint of the camp in there. We're taking I mean... something kind of silly and we're treating it really seriously. Yeah, and, and, that and makes it fun. And that is the the. How he knows what he's doing, too, is that the sets are all very campy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what kind of fucking metal school, medical school is this that's set in, like, a haunted house, basically? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. They all live in, like, abandoned warehouses. Like, that's just a normal place <laughs> to live. Like, all the sets are very, very, like, definitely on the campsite of camp. For sure. Like, all there's a lot of stuff set in like forests or whatever. It all looks like basically E.T.'s forest. Like, it's not it's <laughs> totally not real and doesn't even try to look real. But, um, but yeah, I just think this is such a it's a fun movie and mm-hmm. it also brings up like a lot of interesting questions. And as someone who thinks about the after afterlife a lot, especially these days, um, I, I like the kind of messages that it's sending with that sort of thing about, you know, like the, even if you, even if there isn't an afterlife, the idea that this, you know, the things that you've dealt with in the past do come back to you, whether it's in your subconscious and you're still working it out or it is actually some sort of, you know, karma or afterlife idea. Like this, the result is the same. These are people who are working out demons that they had and doing it in a way that we all kind of fear, you know, like that, that things from our past are going to come back and get us whether or not we deserve it. You know, and some of the characters, they like Julie Roberts, you know, like her deal from the past, she's a child. She really couldn't help herself, but others, other characters, the bed, obviously, it's way worse. <laughs> they did yeah. terrible things, and they have yeah. to deal with those consequences. So, uh, I guess, quick plot outline, if you oh, don't sorry. Yeah. know. Please. Yeah, <laughs> these are medical students who decide to experiment with dying short-term. Um, so they die for like a couple minutes, and then all their buddies bring them back to see what was on the other side. And what is on the other side is Revenge! For the people that they have wronged, uh, they start getting haunted by kids that they bullied, or they get haunted by the women that they surreptitiously filmed having sex with them, mm. and uh, they start to pay. Oh, they start to pay. Kiefer Sutherland getting repeatedly beaten by a child <laughs> is one of my favorite things. I don't. It's so funny where it's like he keeps setting up. Like, I'm in this big empty room. You can't get me, evil child ghost thing I brought back, and then just turns around and wham. Just yeah. nails him in the face over and over. I feel like over. we. I feel like we should prescribe this in this gilded age of assholes. Like uh, everyone needs a healthy dose of guilt. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Totally. Mm-hmm. Guilt yeah. is and then they, shame is bad. Yeah, and they realize that uh, confronting what they've done wrong is the way through. Uh-huh. To yeah, wrestle with your demons and and make amends as best if, you can. If you can, yeah. I mean, William Baldwin's 
I, I loved his whole storyline where he starts seeing the women that he taped having sex with like on other screens throughout his life. Like that as he's going along his like regular everyday life. He has life. a flash forward to Sliver? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a good movie joke. <laughs> I was thinking about that. So yeah. <laughs> like, what is it with William Baldwin and taping himself having sex? Is, is this is this the best William Wouldn't Baldwin you, movie? you if you look like William Baldwin? Yeah. Um, uh, you never know what's going to um, happen again. I don't even look like Steven. <laughs> uh, best, I can't help it. Every time I see this, when I think about Julia Roberts in this, it's like, is this like the only movie like this she ever did? That's like what? Uh, that's, um, I don't want to say high concept, maybe genre. I mean, I, there's there's the Mary Riley movie, but like yeah. everything yeah. else is like hyper grounded or a comedy and like uh, sleeping yeah, with the enemy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, again, you guys would know better than me, but like when I see when I when I saw her in this again, I was like, that's that seems bizarre now. This is not the type of movie she would ever be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's really at her like real big hair Julia Roberts time right now. And forced to appear in her, her underwear. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's yep. great. Everyone's really good in this too. Like the acting is kind of exactly where it needs to be with a, a movie with this level of of camp. It's the only way to yep. put it. <laughs> and after after watching Hollow Man, watching Kevin Bacon get screamed at by a small child and having like ruin his life, it made me feel a little better. Yeah, another mad scientist situation for mm-hmm. uh, old Kevin Bakes. But yeah, and then this week we do have a uh, Julie Roberts almost hat trick because we get to talk about her again in 20 years in 2010. Okay, yep. see, now we got to move. It's a better time as any to move along with the show. Oh, I'm not going to bore you, yeah. you ladies too much. <laughs> I was not expecting this week to be like Flatliners. That's going to be the one that I like the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not me. But that's where we are. <laughs> it's not, but it's on one of my, it, it's definitely the recommend for 1990 for freaking not long. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, sure. And on the 10th of 1990 in television, wrestling fans uh, will get a kick slash sadness out of the last taping of American uh, Wrestling Association, also known as AEW. Uh, a, or, sorry, AWE, not AEW. They're still around. Uh, AWE is famously Vergen Gagne's. Uh, it has a fascinating tale. Vergen Gagne, its star and owner, like unlike Vince McMahon, he was the head wrestler, uh, kind of went downhill forcing his son to be the head wrestler, kind of forcing that in the fans' faces. If you've never mm-hmm. heard people break down how wrestling used to be territorial before Vince McMahon brought it to cable and made wrestling stars national instead of regional stars. Uh, this was one of the biggest uh, biggest wrestling associations of them all out of Minneapolis. And Vince McMahon also quite famously stole a ton of wrestlers from him, creating the demise, including people like Jesse Ventura and Hulk Hogan. Um, hmm. You used to rent wrestlers from other territories if they got famous enough. And, you know, Vince McMahon, hey, I'll just offer you more money to come over here and never go back, breaking like a like a like a hundred year handshake deal in the business and basically where it is today where he owns everything um but i believe they nominated uh awa awa Vern Gagnez into the wwe hall of fame and my favorite thing about him is that in an old folks home he killed a guy um but what, what was deemed unfit to stand trial yeah like uh, just an altercation with a wrestler who doesn't have much mind left, he killed someone uh, <laughs> in oh his, his nursing home uh, in an altercation. It's not hard to do. My grandmother permanently handicapped my grandfather just by pushing him down. You can do that. Mm. Um, uh, in way lighter news, this 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. I didn't mean wow. to bring it down. I, I, there's there's a couple documentaries about AWA out there. It's fascinating. I love wrestling docs. Um, a sitcom I never heard of that aired on TGIF on ABC based off a of play, but like it, I, I just got a little bit of the theme song because it is like it's hella black. Especially even put put up against things like Family Matters that were also on uh, on uh, ABC. Listen to this theme song for New Attitude. I love it. But it's it's a sitcom. It only lasted six episodes about a black owned hair salon. So like a female led. Like, dude, how did this not work? How do you not? I know. Ha- how do you not have a funny sitcom in a hair salon? And it, it is funny. It's just like I think its placement in TGIF may have not done it any favors. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound like a racist TGIF purist because, like, hey, man, I love dinosaurs. They are raceless. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, like it, it, it didn't fit in. And I, I was even looking back, like, yeah, this is before I can remember any black female-led sitcoms of any kind. There were standout mm-hmm. characters. Seven. Uh, I never ah. saw that one, but the seven, yep. the seventies, seventies uh, was obviously a little better for that. Um, but moving into games briefly, because we have a whole show about the games. With when, if Chris Baker comes back, over a hundred years of combined experience in the games industry, where we'll talk about uh, a lot of things. I'll di- I'll dive way deeper into the games of August, including. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan for Game Boy, um, <laughs> which is one of my favorite titles ever. Um, Nineteen ninety music. This is, I remember. I remember reading about this. Uh, Curtis Mayfield, uh, composer of the greatest soundtrack of all time, Superfly. Um, mm-hmm. He is paralyzed after stage lighting collapses on him on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. It's so unfair that the man who wrote one of the best songs to dance to, "Get On Up," is now has to use a wheelchair. Move uh, on. Passes away. Uh, I think we talked. We talked about his death uh, like a bunch of well, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Which I just used as another excuse to play "Get On Up" because it's one of the best songs ever. Move on up. Move on up. Sorry, Move "Get On, on up, up" is different. I think Kanye used around. it for something. Uh, you 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 know it when you hear it. It's awesome. Move on up. Uh, and it is the it is the first it it is the first ringtone I ever purchased um, huh. with a T nine phone in full MIDI. And wow, and I oh love this God. song. I love that song. It's great. Uh, yeah, uh, listen to the Superfly soundtrack, man. Yeah, ah, it's so good. Uh, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey is still number one, but we have some new releases for uh, August 7th to the 13th. Blaze of Glory. Did you listen last week? Young Guns 2 is out, and so is John Bon Jovi's first-ish solo album. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we his first solo appearance we discussed on a Laser Time episode. Uh, he appears in the Star Wars Christmas album. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> doing yeah. vocals Oof. there as so a little weird. kid. Uh, okay, Porno Graffiti by Extreme, uh, World Click by Delight, and Bossa, Bossa Nova by the Pixies. Hell yeah. That's not on Rolling yeah. Stone's Top 500 or anything like that? Surprisingly, no. Um, other Pixies albums. Yeah. We talked about Doolittle, we talked about. That was their last album. So yeah, Bossa Nova by the Pixies. I, I was having trouble deciding what should I go out with from the Pixies, but of course, World Click by Delight is where Groove is in the Heart is from. Oh, the Possibly... Best. Like the perfect song, like yeah, yeah. This sure. like I mean, people make. I'm sure it's easy to make fun of Delight as being like, well, they're a one hit wonder. And I listen to like some of the other tracks on the album, and they're all fun. Mm-hmm. But Groove is in the Heart is just a perfect song. Certainly the most perfect song with a slide whistle. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, put this song on at any wedding. Literally everyone will be on the dance floor. Yeah, it's, it's so perfect. It's one of those one hit wonders. Like maybe it's a one hit wonder, but I've 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 heard this song more than I've heard anything by that's not smooth by Santana. <laughs> I, I, I mean, going about your life, you probably hear this song about two dozen times a year, I'd say. Yeah. Which you can't say that for smooth anymore. And I know when I first got into drug culture in the nineties, uh D Light was like the first stop whenever they'd come through <laughs> through town. All, everybody into hallucinogenics and uh early MDMA was all all about the D lights. Um but oh, I'm yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And I mean, I had to look up, okay, so where, where is DJ Dimitri and Lady Miss Kier? And they're they're still working. I mean, they put out three albums total as D-Light, and they're, they're pretty much they're both DJs now and seem to be working pretty well at that until, you know, that wasn't a thing right now because yeah. of stupid COVID. Yeah, unless you're a Goldman Sachs CEO. Throw your own party. Like, yeah, go for yeah, it. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry. Don't bring Bootsy Collins into it. Because I think this is the first time I ever saw Bootsy Collins, like, saw him and was like, oh, that's that bass player I've heard of? I, oh, he's amazing. I <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because Beavis and Butthead watched this and yes! went fucking ape shit when Bootsy came on. And I didn't know who he was until they pointed yeah, like, It's Bootsy. Bootsy. Bootsy Bootsy's rules. from outer space. Bootsy rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah wow that was a that was a all right I have some odd basic cable memories coming up in the next segment so we're gonna close that with grooves in the heart uh and stay right there because we got a lot of fun stuff to talk to you about in two thousand. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I, we're, we're recording this on a lazy Sunday, and the perfect lazy Sunday reading just hit me. Have you been seeing that Giga Leak, the Nintendo Giga Leak? Like, there's a lot of shit confirmed. Like, is Mario actually punching Yoshi to get him to open his mouth? Ooh. According to the beta versions, that you can see him rear back, and it has hit lines when he hits Yoshi's head. Because I think Nintendo's yeah. sort of been like, no, that's not what's happening. Like, yes, it is. It always has been. Well, very important. Is something that people are upset about? Well, it's, it's incredibly unethical. Because it, it, it is literally stolen. It's not... This is the Giga Leak, because it's 100 gigabytes focusing on the Super Nintendo and the N64, and we're just seeing all this media that we've never seen before. And even grosser, they archived internal company emails, which it was the 90s, and it's not good. And oh, boy. <laughs> it's, it's good. And, and it's an internal Argonauts email about, hey, maybe we shouldn't distribute porn in the office that Nintendo owns. Like, <laughs> why? Rude! <laughs> what? This is not something they weren't in trouble for. This This is just how people talked back then. And now all of a sudden their career could be in jeopardy over this thing that was never meant to see the light of day. I don't know. Godspeed to you people. I'm sure some of my emails come off pretty bad at this point. Uh, Not a lot of of weird language. No, there was one time. I forget how I phrase it. I should look that up because uh, everyone thought it was pretty funny. And imagine one day you're just being a male in your mid-20s on an early internet 
on a website just to waste time with video of people doing adult things and you're scrolling through and then you find a video of yourself and all of your workmates. Oh. So I had to make a decision like, guys, our video got stolen by this porn site I frequent. Can I send a mass company email? <laughs> oh, man. And I did. And I did. And it, and, and even like 15 years ago, it didn't send, set off any red flags and most people found it funny. I remember I think Elson highlighted like, wow, we're trending number two right underneath secretary turns fucking into an art form. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Not buying it, Thong Guy. Welcome back to 302010, <laughs> segment 2000. Uh, you know it's the year 2000. Incomplete, am I saying that right, Di? Mm-hmm. Incomplete by Cisco is uh, number one this week, and that's what we're opening up with. Thong Song or Nothing. Oh, he's got a sensitive side. What no. do you want? No, you can't, you can't make the, the, the fucking quintessential video about butts. And I say video because it's, it's required viewing, like not just well, listening. Uh, I don't know. Maybe at back, I would say that's the qu- – I mean, he stands on he a giant butt. He is standing on a giant butt. But mm, that's pretty There are still more – even if you count that butt as four butts, there are more butts in the song. Well, as, are we talking about quantity or quality? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I find with quantity, you end up getting a lot of quality. Diversity is the key. Um, no, big fair. butts, little butts, bug butts that grow on rocks. Uh, but <laughs> welcome to 2000, August 7th to the 13th. Uh, welcome. We're bringing in with a little music here. New releases. We got to talk about them. Spirit, they're gone. Spirit, they're they vanished by the uh, the debut of Animal Collective. 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia by the Dandy Warhols. Artificial Intelligence. Uh, colon Mosaic Thump by De La Soul. Hot Shot by Shaggy and Resurrection by Rob Halford are all out this week in the year 2000. That Dandy Warhol's album is mm-hmm. a great. Mm-hmm. And is that the one with the heroin is so passe on it? No, <laughs> no, not this one. I don't think this one has Bohemian Like You, which yeah. I literally just heard again like the other day on a commercial. Like everybody mm. loves that song. It's so good. <laughs> Um, I really love the Dandy Warhols too, and also I nobody talks about, it, but there is a great documentary about them and the Brian Jonestown massacre and how they're like friend frenemies basically. And it's called Dig, ooh. and it was really good. Oh. It's just kind of all about that like rock scene in Portland during the turn of the century, and you know, I don't know. It's a great little period piece for sure. Well, uh, I love all the news in 2000. It is absolutely wonderful. Just to bring you into the world of August 6th to the 13th, uh, the world got tired of wondering what their favorite fictional characters look like pregnant uh, while being fingered over the pants. So DeviantArt decides to launch itself. Mainly Sonic. Let's be honest, it's mainly Sonic. No, I encountered a lot of Yoshi stuff. And I was just, I don't know why I posted on Instagram. I was doing a totally legitimate search for something completely different and just found like a collection of Betty Rubble riding Fred Flintstone while asleep. Like, what? (laughs) That's a very Uh, specific fetish. Wait, who's asleep in this situation? Fred. Fred is asleep. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Betty is the. Still not good. 
I mean, sort of good, but but also uh, yeah, not encouraged. But but I, you know what? I don't really care. Whatever you like or are into, I love. If you've never been to DeviantArt, go there, search for your name, and uh, put your name in in Sonic, and see what you find. And then look how supportive the community is. Yeah, it's it's mm. awesome about that, and uh, it's been great for certain aspects of Creative Commons. I found mm-hmm. a bunch of art there that people have let me use. Um, I really, I, I, I do. I, it's easy to make fun of DeviantArt, but it's fucking awesome. And it's one of those old internet things you just have to wonder, like, is someone going to buy this thing and ruin it? Or is the person running it going to get tired of it? I hope not. One of the last pure internet things now that, like, it was Tumblr before Tumblr Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. to, like, letting these little freaks let their freak flag fly. And Mm -hmm. I am so happy there's a place for that because I love them all. Yeah, for, so, so, yeah. for someone who likes to make podcast collages, sometimes you're not going to find cropped chip ad art anywhere but deviant art. <laughs> Those people are making it high res and on a regular basis. It's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. I Express yourself artistically. Mm-hmm. Um, keep it artistic, though. Don't bring it in the real world, whatever it is. True. That's fine. I don't know what that means, but I support it. Uh, on the 8th of August, 28 states sue major record labels, accusing them of price fixing on CDs, and they settled yeah. for $143 million in, in 2002, right when they were hurting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate the record companies. Yeah, they were price fixing CDs. It hasn't changed price for 30 years. Yeah, I, I see a lot of people complaining about prices, uh, fellow nerds. Uh, movies have gone up in price. In accordance with inflation, D- home video DVDs, same price. Video games, same price. Plus maybe $10 consoles, same price. Music is like now a third of what it cost back then. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was so fucking expensive. I remember like you have to go buy CDs when they were new because that was the only time they would be like $12 instead of 18 to 20 And it, yep. it, $20 20 years ago for 10 songs that's how much it was and now you can get like a fucking like just a giant itunes portfolio for that price and mm-hmm. i so i don't feel bad for the record company at all there were a lot of people who had nothing to do with making the music making way too much yeah. money i still want to look up and see if if the eu pulled mm-hmm. the same thing and, and sued because especially in england when i was there in 98 all, all the CDs cost the same amount in pounds that they were in dollars. So oh, it's now 60% more expensive. Wow, wow. That's awful. And it's like, what the fuck? I should not have to pay like $30 for one CD. What are you doing? Is that, I guess that's probably one of the reasons why, like, I, I feel like I, I know I lived through most of it, but like, I don't, I maybe had one or two singles in my entire life, but I know England carried that on a little longer than America. Oh, yeah. And singles mm-hmm. were much bigger over there, maybe because they were so fucking expensive. Mm. And, you know, as when you talk about music 20 years ago, you got to talk about technology marching forward. And I was fascinated looking into this because this week, uh, 1,600 companies are now committed to the universal Bluetooth standard. Hmm. And, Why, and it's, what is that? Yeah. Uh, one of the, it, and one of the first devices will be a wireless cell phone headset that you pin on your ear and will never make you look like a douchebag. And never <laughs> accidentally get you in a conversation at a urinal. It, uh, it <laughs> but that that up until this point, there were a ton of wireless. There were t- there were a ton of there were a lot of different really expensive wireless applications. But it all distilled into the convenience and cheapness of Bluetooth. I was shocked to find out it's it's the company dates back to 1989. It is a 30 year old company for for devices I wouldn't have until 25 years later. <laughs> so it's just so it's so baffling to think about, and that they're awful. 
they're, they're a Swedish company, and their awful logo is a combination of like Viking symbols. That's why it looks like that. I hate their logo. And I, yep. I believe this week, Al Gore selects his vice presidential running mate. Senator Joe Lieberman mm. <laughs> making making this making his his ticket the centerist tour de force as he he gets the most uh isn't Joe Lieberman officially a Republican now? He's, I think he went independent. Uh, yeah. He was a Democrat at the time, but some of this was to appeal to religious folks because yeah. Joe Lieberman uh, is a conservative Jew. So look, he's religious. But in the White House, I, I forgot about that. It is the, I, you know, I'll give him credit. It is the first Jewish guy on a major ticket. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at a point where there's only been one woman and like a couple of Catholics, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you rather hang out with Joe Lieberman or Dick Cheney? Let's be honest. I, I don't know. Some something. Dick, Dick Cheney Lieberman. got drunk and shot a guy in the face. That seems fun. Whatever they were doing. Whereas <laughs> Joe Lieberman hates music and wants to ban dancing and hates mm. hates video games. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's true. And I, would, I don't know. I secretly I want like to hunt Dick Cheney. Maybe. I feel like maybe I could harangue Joe Lieberman more. <laughs> Dick Cheney would never listen. To I me. think you'd like to have a nice seder with him, and that's you couldn't really hang. <laughs> yeah, even that because that's like more. He's already more religious than I am, so it just makes <laughs> me feel bad. Of like, oh, I, I always skip this part of the seder because it's boring. Yeah. Let's just get to the booze. Can I like the people and not the story? Oh, oh God. Um, okay. Uh, movies of two thousand. Hollow Man is bizarrely still number one. That that, mm-hmm. that it. Hmm. Was that a boo? Like boo. Oh, boo. Yeah. not okay with that. Yeah, yeah boo it's, on that. it's the oddest movie. I remember it feeling unpleasant about it at the time, with like not a woke bone in my body. I just like, how is this the crowd pleaser of August of two thousand? Um, yeah. But uh, deeply unsettling. And also, we didn't even get a chance to talk about how through a lot of the film you have to see Kevin Bacon's skinless dick because <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they make a point to like show you like hey he's totally naked without any skin so that means we could show you his penis I hope they got the physics mm. right not into that no CG balls Enjoy. <laughs> not like Kevin Bacon's never been shy about it. He's got a good one down there. We've all seen wild things. Um, <laughs> blessed <laughs> out this week. Uh, Christina Ricci, Rufus Sewell, uh, Angela Bettis of the Diabetes. No, uh, R.I.P. Wilford. Uh, Jimmy Smith and Kim Basinger. Uh, Bless the Child is out this week. Uh, we got another millennial horror movie about someone finds out that like somebody's actually the spawn of Satan, and we got to oh this cult is trying to take her away, and we got to stop him. And oh, the reviews were brutal. So. Man, outside no. of, outside of the Vavitch, I don't think any horror movie has approached like Satan in a long time. Mm. <laughs> oh, twenty years yeah. are, twenty years is a long time, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's true. We don't have a lot of Satan, yeah. Satan, capital yeah. S Satan. We don't have our end of true. day well, stigmata movies. We definitely, though, Sabrina the Teenage Witch really uh, went deep into that well, television yeah. program. Tongue deep in the cheek, but fantastic. Like, this this really wants yeah. you to be afraid of Satan. Um, there's also this movie, which I did not see. It stars uh, Jess Kidding Simmons, J.K., uh, Jill Hennessy, Vera Farmiga, Elaine Stritch, Anthony LaPaglia, Winona Ryder, Richard Gere, and Autumn in New York. It's the perfect woman. It's a good thing. Totally wrong for each other. You are? Yeah. I am. Oh, couldn't be that man. I had my watch. When do I get it back? When you forget that I have it. Oh, you seem to care. We can't talk about the fact that you're, you're sick. I'm right here, right now. 
Jesus. If you squint, you'll think Natalie Imbruglia is in the movie because Winona's really rocking that haircut. Uh, I didn't watch. I'm not watching this. Uh, so it's interesting that this is probably going to come up later in 2010. Um, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Right. Winona Ryder is a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. The original, though. The original. She Well, she's got the haircut. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, falls into a relationship with Richard Gere, who's obviously much older than her. And it turns out, oh, no, she has cancer. And she's like, I don't want treatment. I want to live for today. And he's like, no, don't. And uh, you have to stay alive no matter what occurs. And fuck it. Fuck this movie. (laughs) Fuck this movie. It's really one of those, like, love conquers all and the spirit inside. And And where is this directed by Joan Chen from, like, Twin Peaks and Last Jumper, who's what? directed other things that were good, and I don't know why she was attracted to this this at all. It, see, it seems like solid Warner Brothers money. I can see it. Yeah, I guess that's. I mean, that's cool. But yeah, such a good cast, and uh, oh no, just the the manic pixie ish of it. That he's old enough to be her dad, and they're just sort of like, haha, that's one of her quirks. And it's like that's not a quirk. <laughs> that might be a fetish. Oh. I saw this in middle school, I'm sure, or Mm. I guess I was in high school technically at this time. And I was thinking about going back and revisiting it. But from what I remember, it's just, again, one of those old school weepies, melodramas, (laughs) two beautiful people fall in love and someone dies. And that person teaches the one that lives as some sort of lesson about, I don't know, not working as much and enjoying autumn in New York. Yeah. Sounds about right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's love story. But with an age difference this time to make it different, eh? Mm. Eh. But I'm just cute. No. Uh, speaking of dope cast and movies, I didn't like. I, I I don't know if this needs to be reappraised, but like I feel like everything Keanu Reeves has ever done is now being reappraised. But man, dude, the, the <laughs> '90s to the 2000s was not good for that guy. I assure you. Other than the Matrix, uh, but let's see: John Favreau, Orlando Jones, Brooke Langton, uh, Gene Hackman, Keanu Reeves, and the replacements. Fate. The player's strike became official at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Handed him the ball. We're going to use replacement players. I'm talking about a team of poor nobodies. We're going to take those people and try to put together a winning team. Why me? Could be part of something. If nothing else, they should be fun to watch. <laughs> That's a real butt in the trailer. Okay. <laughs> uh, the replacements. Um, the least Keanu Keanu film I could think of. Yeah, he's not very Keanu-y. But, um... This movie is very boring. And I am a person who loves football movies. And this it's a great cast. Gene Hackman's awesome in it. Orlando Jones is very funny. Like, his parts where he comes up, I found to be quite funny. But yes, I mean, I kept... My attention just kept drifting. Like, it just... I don't know. It's just really boring. I don't know what else to say about it, to be honest. It's crazy formulaic. Mm -hmm. Like, they couldn't find anything new to do. And, like, yeah, it's, you know, loosely based on the 87 NFL strike where, yeah, there were some teams that went with, you know, scab players, replacement players, while the other players were striking. And, yeah, it's like the, the second they set up, there's four more games in the season like, oh, I guess what's going to happen is they're going to maybe lose the first game, win two, be on a roll, and then I I bet the striking players are going to come back and they're going to have to defeat all the pro all-star guys and show that they 
really have what it's. Uh... That's how League of Their Own should have ended. <laughs> oh, where they have to play against the men and they kick yeah. their ass. Yeah, they're all. Oh, yeah. that would be pretty. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> About yeah. The, re- the replacements. Uh, um, I know this is. Yeah, the... it's fun. Like, if you need to just completely turn your fucking brain off, go for it. But... I mean, even that though, it's not entertaining enough to be like to even get put in that category. Right. For go, me. Like, go find another movie where Gene Hackman plays a coach. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, I know Sarah really want to talk about this movie. Kathy Moriarty, RuPaul, yes. Michelle Williams, uh, Clea Duvall, and Natasha Leone. But I'm a cheerleader. I work for a place called True Directions who help people like yourself learn to understand their homosexual tendencies. What tendencies? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Why don't you start by telling us the first time that you realized that you might be a lesbian? I'm not perverted. I get good grades. I go to church. I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> this is not... <laughs> you told me to watch this. I'm like, eh, it doesn't sound like it's for me. I'm like, this is not what I expected. This looks way more fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, this movie is so much fun. It's a big part of the queer canon. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it is one of... I mean, probably the best lesbian movie, I think, that I can think of off the top of my head. And there's some good ones out there, but it is so much fun, so campy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost a John Waters film, basically. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you've got RuPaul not in drag. And, yep. yeah, it's the story of Natasha Leone plays a teenager who, you know, is a cheerleader, doing everything right, and yet... Her family still thinks that she's a lesbian, and so they ship her off to conversion therapy, which is a barbaric practice that was used to try to convince people who are lesbian and gay that they weren't, and mm-hmm. uh, basically a torture device for many people and is in the process of being outlawed in most states. Thank goodness. Uh, very abusive practice, but in this, this is a very satirical look at that sort of thing. And it's about a camp that she is shipped off to where she meets a lot of other queer people and then gets to figure out, Oh yeah, she is a lesbian and Oh yeah. Being a lesbian is hella cool. And, and Clea Duvall is very appealing and you get to watch them fall in love. I just love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird that like a lot of critics didn't like how broad and campy it was. Like, I mean, on the one hand, yeah. Conversion therapy is like, it's not really something to laugh at because it sounds pretty terrible. I mean, where there's like do all kinds of things to convince you you're not gay or that you should suppress that you are gay, but you should suppress these feelings forever. And, you know, with a lot of like negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. And it's like, it's fucked up. And this treats it like really silly. Like it is crazy silly. Like everything is bright blue or bright pink. All the characters, well, well, most of the characters are like incredibly stereotypical. Like they are the gayest gay that ever gayed. (laughs) And you're like, oh, this is this is all doomed to such failure all the time. But yeah, it's so funny, though. It's so funny. Just broad and goofy it is. And then, yeah, it does actually have like a pretty sweet love story in it Mm -hmm. of her and Clay Duvall getting together and uh, with like a, you know, a a really, really tasteful love scene that got 
the movie rated NC-17 just because it's two women. That is the only reason. Even though it is. I know about it. It's incredibly tasteful. They had to cut, make a couple more cuts to get it down to an R. It looks like like almost 10 minutes. Like the UK got a different version because they don't have the same hangups as the MPA. I I learned about this from this this film is not yet rated. And and that movie still astounds me because it's about like how films get rated what and what the X rating means. And then Homeboy, Kirby, whatever is the director's name is sends a private investigator to see who are the people actually rating these movies. And it's a bunch of like 50 year old Karens who apparently really hate moments of female pleasure Uh and are okay with, uh, blowjobs on screen but really really hate women going down on one another that is an instant x to them even if you see nothing if it's implied or like shown in 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 like a silhouette it's gone it is an x automatically Mm -hmm. back then back then but uh, yep but uh yeah actually the i worth pointing out the director is a lesbian and Mm -hmm. uh she's done a ton of tv work not as much movie work which is kind of a bummer but Mm -hmm. i mean Besides, you know, stuff like uh, United States Terra, Nip Tuck, Mrs. Maisel, Russian Doll, Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. Russian Doll again with oh, Natasha yeah. Leone. I love that show so much. This That's a great track record. Yeah. For TV, yeah. honestly. Yeah, everything that's but really Nip Tuck. I mean, <laughs> I can see uh, how it probably at the time when things were very raw uh, about conversion therapy, it was, it was definitely more in vogue, I think. And it, it is now becoming more and more... Um, something that we realize is actually quite harmful to people. Um, I could see how some critics would see like, eh, this is treating a subject lightly that it shouldn't be. But on the other hand, like that's kind of the point of doing satire sometimes, right? Is yeah. to like take the sting out of a horrific thing and show how like truly deeply silly it is to try to convince someone that they're not a homosexual or that they're not, you know, lesbian. And, and so in there, I, I feel like it really hits the mark. It just does such a good job. And it also talks not just about like, you know, queer feelings and lesbian and gay, you know, relations, but also um, gender identity and gender roles and what's expected of women and what's expected of men. I do. I think there's a character in this who, you know, presents as someone would think she's a lesbian. So she gets shipped off to this camp. In reality, she's like, I'm not. I'm just not super feminine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. come on, people. Like, this, I'm actually not a lesbian. Yeah, it's fine. I, I think it's, it's, it's only weird that, like, um, I don't think I would learn about conversion therapy for, like, another two years. So, like, I, don't, I can't think of any other non-comedy movie. I can see, like, a real serious dram- drama set, set here. I've never heard of this premise at all. Like up until this point, mm. mm-hmm. so like it's pretty mm-hmm. bold. I, I like who the fuck greenlit this? Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Well, it's made uh, like real cheap. Yeah. Uh, made for about a million dollars. Oh. You know, and uh, it's it made its money back. I'm sure, uh, and then some because yeah, it's become it double its money. <laughs> yeah, it's a cult classic, especially you know with the gay community. Just because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, this that's what black comedy and satire are. Is you take something that's not funny and you. you expand it to its logical extreme and that's Mm -hmm. what this is this logical extreme of wanting people to fit into certain gender roles is to have this ridiculous camp it's so goofy i get it though i spent i spent i spend most of my day reading very serious news articles and terrifying myself and then spend an equal amount of too much time at night watching people make fun of the things that made me afraid in the morning 
and <laughs> and, and the, that, that's my that's quite a roller reality. coaster. It is. It, it yeah. sucks. <laughs> you kind of like get off that every now. And then. I gotta stop. But yeah, I feel like so much of the stuff about the gender roles makes it more interesting to watch. Like if you're not into camp or you're not gay, mm-hmm. you know. Because like I'm a I'm a camp aficionado, so of course I'm gonna love this movie. But yeah, even if you're just like Chris, you're just some straight dude, you know, always crushing it with the chicks. Yeah, it's like there's still a lot to have fun with. I, I, I'm looking at the poster, and I, I really, really thought my perception of this was not one of being a period piece. It just I thought like, oh great, another murder cheerleader movie. Like that's what I thought at a glance, <laughs> looking at the the box. I didn't realize her hmm. dress was a little older, but uh, it's 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 Photoshop before Photoshop. It's it's also not a great cover. So well, the <laughs> other thing I love is that. One of the characters in this movie is played by Eddie Cibrian, who is mm-hmm. someone that most people don't know. He shows up on a lot of Hallmark movies, uh, like you know now he does especially. <laughs> but do you mean reason- do you mean Griff Walker from Baywatch Nights? Oh, perhaps. <laughs> the reason I know who he is is because one of the real housewives of Beverly Hills, Brandy Glanville, used to be married to him. Oh. And then that slut, Leanne Rhymes, stole him oh. from her. <gasps> yes, that's right. God, and so it's like a huge storyline in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And, I mean, if your husband gets stolen from you by Leanne Rhymes, I'm not going to lie. I would never stop talking about that. So <laughs> don't really blame someone for making a career out of it. Yeah, <laughs> this this happened about 13 years before my husband was stolen from me. And I'm going to that by story. Leanne Rhymes. <laughs> by Leanne Rhymes. <laughs> That's the important part. <laughs> but yes, Ooh. also, I was really happy to see Melanie Linsky uh, redeem herself after Coyote Ugly last week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um Jesus Christ. Boy, I did too much research into the premiere this week. Um, This is bizarre. August 12th, the Comedy Central premiere of BattleBots. Yay! (laughs) Robots fighting. I I suppose, and I, I will get back to that thesis, it was just more the idea, if you had a Comedy Central show that was canceled recently... You got really bitter having to watch this much BattleBots. It was, <laughs> it was on the air for two years and went five seasons. <sighs> and and the only thing I had to latch on to, I remember um, I love Bill Nye the Science Guy, the PBS show, and he was their technical advisor. They tried their best to make it funny, uh, hiring yeah. color commentators and uh, and some Baywatch people, including Carmen Electra. I, I, I don't remember seeing Jamie Heineman, Adam Savage, and... R.I.P. Grant Imahara and, and Will Wright of SimCity fame being on the show, but like they made robots for the show. Mm-hmm. But like, the, the, I think I think the, the boringness is just like it's 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 battle it's battle refined to its essence. Like you know what one the thing with the largest spinny thing almost every time, every time. If you make it an elaborate thing that does something different, it stabs and like you'll never be able to aim this. This thing's gonna come around you and whack you on your ass. It, it, and, and it. it it was just infuriating, but it's had a remarkable longevity in that it was resurrected in 2015 for primetime on ABC and is now running on Discovery Channel, but originated on Comedy Central and, and allegedly had great ratings and was only canceled because, like, we think we should just do comedy. And, like, there, I was reading about Cartoon Network going through a similar thing. They did live action, like, boom, boom shows with robots and eventually abandoned that too. So like the opposite of channel drift. But what I I don't know what I really remember about BattleBots, and I promise to withhold some of this until until 
it gets canceled. The Daily Show never stopped making fun of it. <laughs> and I, and That's true. Besides mm-hmm. The Simpsons, I, I had not really seen another show like clearly target and <laughs> not berate but like really mock another show you can look up online Stephen colbert and uh, nancy walls in their daily show battlebots halftime update where they <laughs> in the middle of the daily show will recap what happens on battlebots but i will never forget i'd never even heard a human being do this like janine garofalo came on the daily show and just like John Stewart's, you know, figuring out what I should ask her. I think she's promoting Wet Hot American Summer. They don't talk about it. She is just mad at BattleBots. And I have a clip. Mm, do you enjoy sandwiches? I love sandwiches. And you know what I love the most is BattleBots on Comedy Central. Give it up. BattleBots. Good move, Comedy Central. More BattleBots. Don't you think? Did you what have any idea? What the hell is up with BattleBots? What's going on? Come on. They cancel Upright Citizens Brigade. For BattleBots. Uh, I agree with you uh, about the Upright Citizens Brigade. I enjoyed that show very, very much. Mm -hmm. You know what would have been better if that show had included, uh, what do you call it, robots fighting? I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. BattleBots. I have little to no affection for it, but it's other than South Park, I think it's the only Comedy Central thing I've seen in a toy aisle. BattleBots figures. And... I hate, I don't want to be the expert on this at all, but like a uh, ABC that is TV the movie, cross you have to bear. <laughs> this sucks. I, I think I might own uh, might own the complete series and have never watched it. But it was. I'm sure you bought it from a Cracker Barrel lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right next. The only people who are interested in this. Yeah, I got it in a in, sure. in a bulk deal with the complete Zorro and the Scarecrow of Romney Marsh, uh, but. Ooh. The new adventures of Spin and Marty. But I think this is a brilliant oh thing people don't remember that Disney did. And that Davy Crockett wasn't so much a show, but was something that would air on the TV show Disneyland when they were like every other week and was really popular. I mean, can you imagine that now? Like getting a new episode of a thing, not every week, but like once a month or occasionally. Mm. And mm. I think that's where Spin and Marty came from. So, like, for a generation starved for young entertainment, the Mickey Mouse Club had your fucking <laughs> had your number. But like, this did not translate into another generation. This was pointless. I couldn't point out Spin Spin and Marty in a fucking trivia lineup. But the TV movie Suspect Behavior premieres on well, ABC. Well, now it's new, so it's been updated the new, for the ninety yeah. for are, the millennium. Is it? Is are they old? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, so the original Spin and Marty ran from 55 to 57. Oh, Lord. Who is this for? And who is this for? And I'm telling you that Mickey Mouse Club shit ran for a really, really long time. Like, Mm. like there's a good, there's a great TCM documentary about uh, live action Disney television. Oh, <laughs> that I want, but so that's the only reason I know about this. If you had the Disney Channel, they they try and pimp they try and pimp this at the beginning as if it was something worth subscribing to, to a premium channel for. Spider Marty, new TV movie, twenty years ago. <laughs> Martin Markham was just your average spoiled little rich kid. Excuse me. Until you have to make one friend, and you have three days to do it in. Enter the superintendent's son. Not him again. And you've got international spies. The new adventures of Spin and Marty. I don't remember what the original premise of the show was, or if this is any way. I don't imagine it was this. Nah. Where one of them is like a half spy. I I don't know. I am 
so baffled by this. I've never heard of this, but now I am completely super baffled because it's directed by Rusty Cundiff, who Rusty. I actually remember from TV Nation with Michael Moore. Oh, shit. But but he directed a lot of Chappelle show, Tales from the Hood, and Fear of a Black Hat. And super underrated wow. Parody. Wow. Fear of a black hat. It like I need more people to stand up for that as the black spinal tap. It fucking rules. It totally the, is black spinal tap. That movie rules. I love that. Why would they, why would Rusty Cundiff take the whitest job in the world? Wow. Is it or did this like he's like I'm gonna break into the mainstream? Oh shit! If if I had, no, I'm never doing that again. If I had to guess, this is probably like a back like. This could be really big, and if uh, this could be a new TV, yeah. new series for us, and it's it's ABC. We're really we're really not that far into ABC's ownership of uh, Disney or Disney's yeah. ownership of ABC, so they're exploiting mm-hmm. every single recognizable yep. name they can. Go through the back catalog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they're expecting parents to be like, no, grandparents. Frankly, really? <laughs> like, I remember this from when I was a kid. Seriously, like, <laughs> sit the kids down to watch it. My parents would have been kids when it was on, but I don't think they were going to get me home from college to hey, watch this <laughs> Spin and Marty yeah. movie, um, and. Sarah brought a book up for this week, and it's a big one. Well, it's a big one. Storm of Swords by George R.R. Martin is published this week on the 8th. That was probably the Game of Thrones one that I left off on. I I think I, like, finished Storm of Swords, and then I was like, I I got it. I think I got it. I read all all of them up until then, and then... Yeah, I left can't... off, but I know Sam read all of them, and you did too, right, Auntie Steph? No, I, I, I oh. can't express how joyous the first three books are, and this yeah, is this, this wonderful culmination of all of that. And then George R. R. Martin, he, I think he somewhere in here he gets the HBO pilot, and then that takes a while, and he's also working while. on the on the writing, and then like everything stalls. And mm. these books were coming out like once every eighteen months. Now we're making fun of. George R. R. Martin for being a decade behind and possibly dying before his books are finished. And <sighs> and this is the third in a I think there are five books out now. He's put out two yes. books. Two one Six? of which one of which was half of a book. Yeah. And and just but just not edited in any way. And like I hated Feast of Crows so much. It is mm-hmm. I feel like I, I it's the most old timey memory. Is did I actually do this? Or was <laughs> I uh really angry in the old West? I was I remember the exact thing, and I kind of wish I'd kept reading because it's. And then Aria was went blind, and like how? Di-? And I just threw the book across the room, <laughs> and it went behind the bed, and I never picked up another one of the man's books ever again. <laughs> uh, yeah. For a feast of crows. Yeah, first first three are fun and interesting and good mm-hmm. reads. They take some time. I'm really glad, especially on books four and five, that I listen to the audiobooks oh, so I could yeah. putter. While he's describing what people are wearing and what people are eating and everyone's ancestors and how his an- their ancestors had also had a tournament. And at Ugh. the tournament, this guy did this and this guy ate that. And then he was wearing this. And I was and like, wearing- oh, I'm so glad I can get other shit done because otherwise I'd just be skimming. He's wearing, he- yes, token? Another, t- another tunic. Yes, that's what he was wearing. Uh, but. One little factoid that I think is really funny is that this book was nominated in 2001 for the Hugo Award for Best Novels. Wow. But it was lost to, but J.K. Rowling won mm. for Goblet of Fire. And apparently afterwards he said, eat your heart out, Rowling. May you, maybe you have billions of dollars in my Hugo, but you don't have readers like these. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Why? Please tell me he was grabbing himself when he said these. <laughs> How... 
you don't have readers like these nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He, he was grabbing his collection of sailor hats. And <laughs> a, how dare you make me side with, with J.K. Rowling? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know who to side with there. Video games of 2000, uh, August 7th to the 13th. Big week for two really big games. I have not played this one, but I have the utmost respect for uh, Chrono Trigger, and it's one and only sequel. Chrono Cross hits uh, PS1 in North America this week. Um, i love to see what people have to say about that. I really would. And then one of the most charming games ever that I, after a multi-day severe hardship, crisis of conscience, shitting blood, just a horrible, horrible period for me, sleepless, <laughs> rewarded myself with the new Paper Mario, and I didn't realize how close Paper Mario the Origami King is to the almost 20 years to the day of the first ever Paper Mario. What will he save the princess? Help! Find out in Paper Mario! I know you know how Paper Mario looks, video gamers, but if you haven't seen the Nintendo 64 commercial, please look it up. It is live action with those paper cutouts being dragged over beautiful landscapes (laughs) in a a crosswater. It is hilarious and lo-fi and wonderful. It's one of my favorite N64 commercials, and they had a lot of great ones. Um... Well, that about wraps up 2000. We're going to take you out with Wasn't Me by Shaggy. Oh. <laughs> I was hoping for a little bohemian like you. No. No, I'm sorry. It Wasn't Me is a way bigger hit, especially for some, like everywhere except the U.S. This is like, this is the song of 2000, 2001. Where it's yeah. like, it was way bigger outside the U.S., but it's still pretty well known in the U.S. And it's, it's so fun because it's so stupid. I just yeah. heard, I was in a, like a store or something. No, I wasn't at a store because I'm not allowed to do that anymore. But mm-hmm. I was somewhere recently where I heard a cover of Was It Me? Like, but you know how they do covers now where it's like, it sounds like you're in a coffee shop. I hope it was really a really sad one. I hope it was a sad oh, no. one in, in like the Annabelle trailer. <laughs> <laughs> she saw me It'll murder in the, the next season of Grey's Anatomy. Let's just put it that way. And it, it still works, saw by the way. banging on the sofa. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. She saw me banging on the counter. We cooked there. Uh, no. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Sad acoustic guitar. You want acoustic guitar or do you want like really slow piano? No, I want Ooh. one piano note every 40 seconds. Boom. I want a creepy children's chorus to sing it. Ooh, Ooh. I like it. God, that's like gross. like social network. God, that's gross. We have to do it. How do we How do we commission children to sing Shaggy's It Wasn't Me? Picture this, we were both but We'll be arrested. It'll be awesome. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's let's take us out, Shaggy. I have to recover from that. Uh, We'll be right back with 2010 and one of my favorite movies of the entire year. Stay right there. Wasn't me. Saw me banging on the sofa. Wasn't me. I even had her in the shower. Wasn't me. She even caught me on camera. Wasn't me. She saw the marks on my shoulder. Wasn't me. Heard the words that I told her. Wasn't me. Heard the screams getting louder. Wasn't me. She stayed until it was over. Honey came in and she got me red-handed. Creepy with a girl next door. 
Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. And when you look well, at sci-fi from the 60s, what defines sci-fi are things like Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, uh, Silent Running, which has a... You can see a lot of, I think, the same robot designer from Silent Running, which is about Bruce Dern locked in a biosphere going mad with three robot partners. Soylent Green, a movie, a dystopic movie about the future where humans are eating one another. Westworld, where robots, robots rising up against us. That's what this is going up against. There is not sci-fi of adventure anymore it is sci-fi of society and where will this all take us how dare we have the hubris to think we are gods that's like the thesis (laughs) of all sci-fi at this point you know what the highest grossing sci-fi movie of all time is at this point not adjusted what year uh let's say let's say 68 around the time thx 1138 comes out uh kubrick bam jeremy with the boom discovery one Voyages towards Jupiter, controlling the mission, is a talking computer known as Hal. You don't have to have seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think most of us have a general idea of what it is. I've seen it a ton of times. I enjoy it. In the mid-70s, proposing a movie like Star Wars would put it in what the studios considered the same genre as 2001. Yeah. It seems preposterous. Mm. Like, these couldn't be further... And, and believe me, as a little kid who yeah, saw this on TV, like, oh, I love Star Wars. I should check out 2001 A Space Odyssey. But essentially, they were too close to see what a cultural change they were right in the middle of, is what you're saying. I think, I don't know. I don't want to shit on Star Wars because it's very important to oh, me. really? Not uh, like you have a whole podcast series <laughs> devoted to it. <laughs> oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash laser time, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We'll go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 7th through 13th, well, I got thrown off a little bit last week because of the death of Olivia de Havilland. So let's catch up on some of the stuff that uh, I was going to talk about last week. And we'll do it this week. Uh, last week, obviously, was the 75th anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima. And this week, we have the bombing of Nagasaki. So, uh, yay, the times that we used atomic weapons... I'm glad it's the only times anyone's used them against people. Uh, Weird tidbit, though, I found out the day before the bombing of Nagasaki is the last declaration of war in World War II. That's when the Soviet Union declared war on Japan, after they've already been bombed at Hiroshima. Thanks, Stalin. You're so fucking helpful. Just trying to jump on the winner bandwagon after sacrificing us million people in Stalingrad. Anyway, uh, yeah, atomic weapons are bad. I, I've got no time to get into this. Uh, let me talk about what movie I want to recommend. 
uh, 50 years ago, actually last week, but I'm pushing it to this week because of Olivia de Havilland. 1970, though 50 years ago this week, is the anniversary of Performance, starring James Fox and Mick Jagger, uh, directed by Donald Hamill and Nicholas Rogue. This is an odd movie, and I'd always heard like, oh, it's really good, it's really revolutionary. You know, uh, British Film Institute put it as the 48th greatest British film of all time. And I was sort of like, okay, it sounds weird. And then I watched it and it's even weirder than I expected. But I super liked it because it's it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, I mean, basically, it's about this gangster who uh, is very violent. And then he has to hide out for a while and he ends up hiding out with this rock star who's in seclusion, played by Mick Jagger, basically playing himself. And uh, the film's actually from 1968, and it wasn't released for two years because of the sexual content and graphic violence, and wasn't received well at the time. And now you can look at it and say, like, oh, I see how this is influential, and that it's, like, character-driven. It definitely has sort of a dream logic David Lynch thing going on a lot of the time. And it's just this kind of weird chess match between these characters who are sort of becoming each other. I guess the best way to put it. Also, you know, bitching, swinging, swinging London stuff, uh, circa 68 slash 70, and uh, Mick Jagger in his fucking prime. Even though, you know, he doesn't perform, but he's like an okay actor. Anyway, uh, that that's my recommendation. Something different than, you know, The Heiress or Adventures of Robin Hood from last week. Uh, performance for 1970, and that's it for this week. Stay classic. Oh, God, my hat's off to Diana. More intro songs like this. I want to hear more Kimmy Schmidt intros. Uh, <laughs> as we move into 2010, Bed Intruder song by uh, Antoine Dodson and the Gregory Brothers. Now, I feel bad because we missed the uh, Antoine Dodson Bed Intruder clip going viral last week. And I only caught up with it because the <laughs> auto tune remix Bed Intruder song was number 89 on the charts this week. Wow. And that's how I realized what date we were talking about. I, yeah, my, I think my silly confession is that I still love these. I still love these remixes. I sometimes get in my car and listen, if you have not heard whoever's Donald Trump Space Force remix when he announces the Space Force, it's glorious. Uh, man, so, but that but that tells you what era we're in. Uh, we opened with Cisco 10 years ago, and now the thing I'm listening to most is an auto-tuned remix. That's pretty 2010. Uh, welcome back. Uh, auto-tuned remix of a guy on local news talking about how mad he is that some guy broke into his house and tried to rape his sister. Yeah. They come for everybody. Out there. Uh, I think <laughs> I love this guy. Um, welcome to 2010, August 7th to the 13th. <laughs> Antoine Dotson is on the charts. Uh, we have some other new releases, order of the black by black label society. The self-titled uh, self-titled by uh, brother Clyde and 31 minutes to take off by Mike Posner. Uh, Love the Way You Lie by Eminem featuring Rihanna, which we opened with last week is still number one. Uh, tiny bit of news. Um, I'm, I'm reading this raw, so I'm going to be as surprised as you people. 
Flight attendant Steven Slater becomes the hero we need when he announces over the loudspeaker a passenger was being rude to him, tells passengers to go fuck themselves, grabs two beers, and leaves via evacuation slide. When cops come to arrest him at his home, he's having sex with his boyfriend. He pled guilty to criminal mischief and got probation. Fuck. Yes. Man is my hero. (laughs) Man. Anyone who has ever worked in customer service. Yeah. Needs to have a shrine to Stephen Slater. I, he did what we all want to do. Mm-hmm. He truly, I love, truly did. I love these stories. I love quitting a thankless job stories that are... Uh, make it as silly as you can. My friend quit Walmart over the loudspeaker. Um, <laughs> another friend it. of mine quit Fazoli's by uh, volunteering to go give people free breadsticks, and he just took his shirt off. <laughs> it's like totally harmless but like that's hilarious that's a memory that will last for i wasn't even there and i remember it forever uh everyone else probably can't forget it uh yeah yeah man we should do a show about that quit your job in fun ways let's jump back into the movies august 7th to the 13th i saw the devil by lee with lee byung hung and uh choi min sik yeah chinese yeah yeah, pretty good. Um, I just thought I'd throw this out there because it was very, very, very well reviewed. And I am super not caught up on Korean cinema of the last 10, 15 years, which yeah. has really been kicking some ass. Everything I've seen that's, you know, like gotten a ton of reviews has been great, up to including Parasite. Um, not same director or anything, but I Saw the Devil is a thriller. Yeah, I, it sounds I, really good. I followed Old Boy into like a world of Korean cinema, which was astonishing. And then... Mm-hmm feel like i took a 10-year break until parasite so like i i'm i'm a little curious too korea is kind of kicking yeah. ass they've uh, been kicking ass for a, a while now uh, mm. i finally saw train to busan oh that, that shit yeah. is lovely that was great damn. and the yeah, weirdest sequel ever to an animated movie so <laughs> what i you have to it's it's complicated okay um okay but you getting wanna... into the three big movies oh. i just oh. I have to repeat my joke from a couple weeks ago because I said it off the air and I feel bad about it. We have three movies to talk about. Eat, Pray, Love, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and The Expendables. That's one movie for every gender. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm telling you, one of these movies made me question everything about gender, but we'll get to that. Uh, I, ladies, I'm gonna need some help here. James Franco, Billy Crudup, Viola Davis, Javier Bardem, Richard Jenkins, Julie Roberts, and Eat, Pray and or love. I used to have this appetite for food, for life, and it's just gone. I want to go someplace where I can marvel at something. I'm going to Italy, India, and I'm going to end the year in Bali. I love you and I'm proud of you. Put the floor into the machine and... Yes, I'll see. (laughs) Love that song. Eat, pray, uh, Lizzle um, with Julia Rizzle. (laughs) <laughs> obviously i read the book i know i was just yeah. <laughs> the book came out in 2006 by elizabeth gilbert um and it was kind of one of those things in my family where my mom read it and uh, other members of my family read it and we all got together and saw the movie together and we loved it so i did, had not seen it since 2010 so i tried to watch it today Mm-hmm. It does not age well, y'all. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is not a movie you want to watch in 2020, and it's definitely not a movie you want to watch in this moment in 2020. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Life mean, in America is so like, boring. I have so many options. I'm just tired oh, of. I'm white and rich, and I'm so bored and sad. 
Mm. Let me go eat, pray, love across the world and find myself. I don't. I don't well, want to dissuade people from. Uh, doing, I, I took. I, I as as an English major, I took multiple courses in uh, travel nonfiction, mm-hmm. and 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 I didn't read this book, but I read a, a bunch of books, especially ones with guides. You know, you can't like with hostels in foreign countries that like have literal programs to allow you to stay for cheap as fuck. Yeah, you, you can you can survive for like five bucks a day, five yeah. to ten bucks a day in some of these places, depending on where you are. I yeah. mean. In some ways, I feel like, well, it's wish fulfillment, so maybe mm. it is a good time to watch this. But I I started it, and it's tough because I, I am a huge proponent of travel to mm. improve yourself as a person. Meeting interesting people, seeing how they do things in other countries, getting out of your bubble and expanding, you know, yourself. Expanding your inner life. Very important. Mm-hmm. But I find this... <laughs> so patronizing yes 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 i mean i hate to use the other word privilege obviously let's Mm -hmm. talk about privilege and that yeah she is you know fiscally comfortable white lady and so she can just drop everything and go you know go go travel and that's pretty cool but the patronizingness of it all of like treating the people that she meets overseas like they are all props to Mm -hmm. her you know to her betterment as opposed to being people who are just doing their fucking thing and minding Mm -hmm. their own business Mm -hmm. yeah other people are not they're not side characters in your quest they're people you're a side character in their quest treat everyone better than this Mm -hmm. it bugs me india does not exist for you to just do yoga and sit around and think it exists to be a country (laughs) of a billion people Mm. who are just trying to fucking live Having their own COVID problems right now. Jeez. Yeah. And God I mean, it. so it's based on the story by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's um, it, she, Elizabeth Gilbert is truly a lovely woman. Like I've heard her on multiple podcasts. She's real big in the Max Fund Network. She's really gone on to do a lot of um, really inspiring talks. And she's written a couple books about creativity. And I, and I do think she's truly a very lovely person, has a really good heart and everything i think she's great i do i I, and it's been a while since i've read the book but i do feel like something was lost in the translation to film Mm. um in this in something was lost in translation there because the 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 woman that i'm exposed to as far as elizabeth gilbert goes does not square with what's being portrayed in this film by julia roberts who i love very much but also, at this point in 2010, especially, I feel like Julia Roberts is kind of a symbol of a certain kind of, like, privilege. Yeah. And maybe that didn't help with things yeah. in this, like, with the way the movie is viewed now. I call, I call, her, mo- I call her movie Oprah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, this, it's, this... this is basically, like, the, the the woman in, and I'm, again, I'm not going to say that this is Elizabeth Gilbert, but the woman that's being portrayed by Julia Roberts is basically in this movie the patron saint of wine moms. Like <laughs> I, I, she's I, like going to Italy and eating gelato and carbs because she hasn't had a carb in four years. Like oh, she's ugh. so naughty, right? I, I having not seen the movie or read the book, I can. But you know, having lived through sim- similar adaptations, I, but I can see how they'd play up the ugly American aspect for more comedy whereas the book might have been a little more inquisitive or like fly on the wally but but they actually had to like put 
Julia Roberts into a bunch of situations where something drastic happens as opposed to something being observed? Is that is that something that the movie suffers from? Are you saying the book is good? I think the book is much better mm-hmm. from what I remember. Uh, I mean, again, it's been a while. And I mean, I do think the book, there is a message there that does need to be heard about seeking off authenticity and the idea that like you know when you're living your day-to-day life maybe you get caught up in the like what you should be doing and the like trappings of your life when really you should be more connected to what truly brings you joy and i do think that's a good message absolutely and it's Mm -hmm. a great thing that people should explore in big ways and in small ways but the movie definitely turned it's just it's not a great it's not. It, it's not a great portrayal. Something, <laughs> something I had mm. I had read and slash something I had noticed. Um, it's not just America, ugly America's fault that we don't travel, but the travel we make movies out of this type of travel because it's weird for most Americans to do. If you live in yeah. Eurasia, people do. Everyone like looks forward to this, and they get paid vacation to do this. Exactly, because it's like paid vacation. It's a matter of being. They can also get on a train and go for an hour and go to a totally different culture. Right, it's not entirely America's fault, but we cross an ocean. We have we have also like ripped out our our curiosity of visiting other cultures. When I talk to certain people on the right, like, do you know how this makes us look in other countries? Like, why would I care about other countries? Like, because people like me hope to go there one day and have drinks and do drugs. So Yeah, some of us are sick of pretending we're Canadian when we travel. (laughs) Yes, I hope to go to one of these places one day, these shithole countries, you fucking idiot. Um, (laughs) But, but like, I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to shit over that too much. But, yeah, for Americans, travel like this is prohibitively expensive. There are ways to do it. But I I, I just judging from the trailer, like uh, drone shots over fucking wineries, like that that wouldn't be my journey necessarily. But I am dying to do something like this. I'm dying to go anywhere. Yep. Not allowed right now. Everyone has locked us out. They built the wall and it's not the one we wanted. I know. I know. Trump can change the racist, uh, any racist name he wants, the China virus. I think two years from now, it'll be called the American virus and everyone else will will be the ones trying to get over the walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think also another issue is that like a lot of when people say like, oh, they want to travel, like. They have a certain idea in their head, like it's always eating pasta in Italy or mm-hmm. like being in one of those like huts that's over the ocean in Thailand. But like the travel that is more affordable, I think, for a lot of Americans is something that a lot of people don't gauge in because either, you know, this the stuff that's we don't have to cross an ocean for basically is either mm-hmm. Canada, which we're all, you know, everyone likes to pretend Canada is so boring. There's nothing up there false it's very cool mm-hmm. or going down south which i think a lot of people True. like are scared of or, or think it's like a scary dangerous place to go which mm-hmm. i mean true well, well, but I, I, some I, I parts or you go to the americanized parts and the whole point of travel is to do as the locals do if they're eating dinner at 10, you should go eat dinner at 10 and find yeah. out well, why. What's what's the benefit of this? It turns out eating dinner at 10 and then just sort of wandering around saying hi to people is great. I, I love being out of my comfort zone. The whole reason bonus time exists because like it would like encourage me to do things I wouldn't normally do and say yes to things that I might not do. That's the Patreon show. It's been a little harder to do since I don't have any fucking opportunity to do any of that. That's why I like traveling and like, no, show me what show me what you do. Let me just hang out. 
Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I have I nothing. There's nothing I'd rather not do than tell you about my life. Like let's let's look at what you, I don't know. Sorry, I, I feel like I'm defending this movie. It just I miss the idea of travel. I think Americans' perception of travel is really warped, mm-hmm. uh, given how much it costs us to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God damn, I miss it so much. And I did. I was hoping. I was hoping you'd be like. Oh, I just want to go somewhere. <laughs> like after watching this movie, like just to see visions of something, someone going somewhere. But there's still something well, really privileged in 2010 about all this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and what I would say is definitely skip the movie. I would definitely check out other things Elizabeth Gilbert has done because again, mm-hmm. I think she's like a really lovely, creative person. And, and like Coyote Ugly. What? Okay, not that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember okay. from last week? Yeah, Coyote also pass on that. On an article that she wrote. <laughs> Which is so funny because it totally reminds me of like the Gloria Steinem Playboy Bunny like mm. situation, you know? Like very incongruous. But I would say <laughs> skip this movie, eat, pray, love, read the book, and then watch a bunch of episodes of No Reservations. Yes. yes. I, I there wanna, you go. I didn't wanna, if you, you, if you want that the travel... That, that is how you travel, is, yes. is watching No Reservations. I didn't want to get that's to exactly Anthony Bourdain on it, but that's the thing I've learned from travel and travel nonfiction, is that you'll learn the most about everybody through how they eat, how they, uh-huh. how they, how they hunt, prepare. The traveling. Uh, huh? That's the point of traveling. Yeah, yeah it really <laughs> is. Like, like, how, how, like what they value, uh, who they have around when they eat, where they eat, how they prepare things. What they, it's fucking crazy. Like, if you just, like, I don't know. I, I encourage... I can't wait to travel again someday. I don't know if I'll yeah. ever be able to afford it. Patreon.com slash um, <laughs> uh, I miss it. I miss it dearly. My girlfriend and I drove mm. to Georgia for no reason just to be turned away when everybody was maskless and, and laughing at us. And <laughs> just just to get some new scenery. It's just the world's a nightmare. I was hoping this movie would like I was hoping you'd make me want to watch this. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It. It's okay. This ain't it. You're saying mm-hmm. that that's cool. That it's cool because uh, um, in terms of representing what I consider me or my culture, the next movie is one of the best I've ever seen. It yeah, yeah uh, is based on a comic book, the Scott Pilgrim series, a seven uh, part comic series by Brian Lee O'Malley. I, I I know I've always considered myself a nerd or an outsider, but it can't be denied I've been obliviously part of a scene. And mm. people know me who I don't know as well as we travel because we travel in the same groups and and growing up in the I, I love this about it. And I'm not saying this as an, as an insult. Scott Pilgrim in 1999 and 2000 was me in 96 because it's Canada and it takes a while to, for, things, <laughs> for, the, for things to move. And, and, and I'm, it's not an insult because they're like they're talking about they're playing they're playing a music style that's outdated in America, and they're talking about games that are over five to ten years old mm-hmm. everywhere else. And and but just in terms of like the cast and like I don't mm-hmm. I meant to write down who cast Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim versus the World because whoever you are, your eye for ladies, every woman in here I had never really seen before, mm-hmm. but would go on to see in big things for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, not. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, Aubrey Plaza, Brie Larson, Mae Whitman, Brendan Routh, Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Johnny Simmons, Mark Webber, Allison Pill, Kieran Culkin, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Michael Sarah, in one of my favorite movies of the decade, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. If we're going to date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. Seven evil ex-boyfriends? Pretty much. 
the past. Feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. How's life? He seems nice. You know this girl? It was just a face. Is it a sexy face? I was just a little bi-curious. Well, I'm a little bi-furious. We all have baggage. I don't care about any of that stuff. Step up your game, Scott. You want to fight me for her? Why would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Garlic bread is my favorite food. I could eat it for every meal. And get fat. No, why would I get fat? Bread makes you fat. Bread makes you fat? Rated PG-13. That's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. <laughs> bread makes you fat. And the comic is like, what about butter? Butter makes you fat? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, this movie is a time machine. Yep. That's what I have in my notes. Yeah. It, like, truly gave me the, oh, like, nostalgia feels for that whole the way they dress, the music, the wallet chain, like all of it. I just love it so much. And I'm, I'm just, again, reminding you, in 2010, in America, that shit was over. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. way over. And, um, and, and and that's what made me so happy. It's because, like, I, I could... I, I had in my notes, like, do I describe Scott Pilgrim as a boy or a young... Or a man. And it's just, well, I had the same extended childhood he did, where I mm-hmm. wasn't really a full-bodied adult until well, my mid-twenties. I think, too, the... This movie isn't really aimed for people that are the age of the people on in this movie. You know, like this so? is not really aimed towards towards twenty two year olds. I think. I think pe- this movie is aimed for people our age in, in two thousand ten, which is like you know, 30. for me, like you know, thirties. Yeah, mm-hmm. like early mm-hmm. early thirties, late twenties, because so much oh, of yeah. it is vintagey feeling. I, like I, even the idea of like coins that you use for arcades like nobody who's 22 <laughs> in 2010 was ever went to a, an arcade yeah but that's that's an overlay yeah. a, a conceit they don't really ever play any games other than dd like a fake ddr exactly but the imagery of uh, you know the all the video game imagery is a decidedly but it's like a, it, sorry, older it's, generation imagery i wrote an article that uh edgar wright's publicist sent me a message and said that was awesome uh, about Ooh, all the video uh, game wow. references in um, in Scott Pilgrim, I was working with Universal to like just just to like, dude, give me the fucking movie early. Like, I love the comic already. It, the the mm-hmm. Brian Lee O'Malley comic is astonishing. It's great. It's really good. Uh, I read it when it, the movie came out because I was kind of obsessed. It, if anything, <laughs> it's, it's it's sort of a bummer because like the comp like in a George R. R. Martin situation, the comic wasn't finished. And mm. when I watched the movie, the first right. hour is the first book. And That's then the, right. the last 40 minutes are six more books, including one that was not out yet. And, oh. And, and it, yeah, it's, it's, re, it's really condensed. But mm-hmm. I, still, I, I still think it's beautiful. And I, I, I don't want to think – I could be biased, Sarah. I, obviously, I love it. But I, when I was watching it, it's just like I don't know how – one, I don't know how this got rated PG-13 in, in, at all. Like what the fuck is objectionable about this movie? They even, they even bleep Aubrey Plaza cursing. In saying the F word. In a very fun way. You want to know what way that is? Hmm. The Commodore 64 loading. That is, those are Commodore noises. I could do this all day. These references are not for young 20 year olds in 2010. It's it's not about the references. I think that the. I mean, I I feel like that they would like them because it's a weird throwback for something that it's just a little bit older than them. Like. Hmm. For for people, for Generation X, our throwbacks were 70s stuff that we barely engaged with okay yeah that makes so sense. throwing back to like late 80s early 90s for kids today which is like around when they were born yeah that makes sense yeah to I've, me. I've always found that with with gamers like because the culture 
is pretty much my age and a little older, it's really easy to go back and experience all of it. And and mm. most everybody has some knowledge. If you're and and I don't know. I remember Dave thought um, he thought the movie was going to be more pandering than it was. And there's a couple of pandery moments, but they're plot important, and it's mm. difficult to know what's the magical realism in this movie and what isn't. It's not terribly important. But when I was watching it, it's like I don't know. Like the same reason I love The Breakfast Club in 1997. Why I see no reason why kids wouldn't fall in love with this movie. Um, completely. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that. I know gamers were like super geared up for this to be the biggest movie ever, and then they were very disappointed when it wasn't. It's become a cult movie now because the whole movie has this massive video game aesthetic thing going on. Like the whole point is that he's got to defeat his, you know, her evil exes, and when they, you know, they fight, it's a video game fight, and then when they die, they explode into coins. <laughs> like River City um, Ransom. Thank you. Not yeah, that, not an arcade that's reference. Fun. And then it's Sorry. like, an, and then it's like an overall. The overall story is about like getting over people's baggage and you know growing up and treating people better. Uh, don't date high school students. Yeah, I think the the uh, the the uh, the theme of the story, and I imagine it was incredibly personal for Brian Lee O'Malley. I, I mustn't speculate because even if you're 20, don't date a high school girl. It's a bad idea. No, no. Uh, but immaturity. And like, yeah. and, and, and I remember graduating what from I thought what I thought was adulthood and nothing changed. And I spent like seven years in lim- in like adult kid limbo. And this to me is mm. the perfect embodiment of that. And, and in addition, and like, this is my read on the film. I, I'm not your deep person to talk about film and story. Uh, but I think the, the video game subtext is, well, the, the, the 70 Lexus is chasing Amy mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's getting over the baggage of a girl more experienced and worldly and your own personal jealousies. It's not the idea that they're showing up and actually you're fighting them. It's just you're constantly thinking about these people. You know this person is dated and you think you're less than. Mm-hmm. It's in, And to me, yeah. that's an immaculate metaphor. It's awesome. It's it's really mm-hmm. fucking cool. And, and it's and yeah. like because Scott Pilgrim is a, as a character. The only the only thing I didn't like about Michael Sarah is in the comics. Scott Pilgrim is a screamer. He is <laughs> he is a, a much louder, less likable person in in a mm. way I like more, to be honest. Mm. And but uh, but other than that, like his immaturity just ran hand in hand with mine. Uh, not necessarily in terms of dating, but like not a refusal to grow up, but like uh, the, the lack of acceptance. That like shit has changed. The idea that he lives with <laughs> Wallace Wells, uh, sleeps in a gay guy's bed across the street from his the house he was born in. Let's just let me just talk about again queer representation. Karen Culkin <laughs> as Wallace is one of my favorite gay characters ever portrayed on screen. Just mm-hmm. does it flawlessly. Doesn't play it for laughs except for when it absolutely is hilarious like mm-hmm. it's just so good it's just such a great I, role i, 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 I wrote my it, favorite character in the entire sh- in the entire movie i wrote it down i winced at two things 10 years later i mm-hmm. grabbing a life but that's important for a plot point later and mm-hmm. the bollywood segment just because it's like <laughs> um it, which is not offensive in any way and is uh he, she even talks about like yeah dude i wanted to date some dude who wasn't white and 
he seemed like the dopest guy and Bollywood was it's just a Bollywood sequence parody sequences like eh, I just I don't know mm. like it, 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 I, I don't dig them but then he knocks them out with a uh, noise from uh, Street Fighter Alpha 3 and I'm okay with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> oh man you want to you want to bask in some nerdery watch the credits for this all the the sound copyrights for Ooh. how Nintendo, many Nintendo copyrighted ha- sounds are in there. Nintendo had never allowed anyone, anyone to use their music. And somehow Edgar Wright, and I'm paraphrasing him, had convinced Nintendo, like, these these are modern day nursery rhymes. And I oh. and I, I love the accuracy. Because like people like me and Diana's husband, Michael Parra's of Video Game Apocalypse, will obsess over shit like that. Like that that person on camera is playing a game system with no cartridge in it. And a bunch of people said that about Scott Pilgrim, and it's like he's he's you're looking at the top. That's a three. That's a uh, Nintendo DS. The bottom is the Game Boy Advance backwards compatible thing, and that's where he's playing <laughs> Link to the Past, and that's where all the music is coming from in the beginning. And he even mentions I'm playing Link to the Past. It's so fucking specific, and like mm. in not offen- like not pandering and not offensive to the cu- to the culture who cares about gamers anymore you guys ruined everything by the way and it's why i don't want ever want to work in games but like the 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 authenticity and subtlety of that aspect of the film is something to be appreciated it, it will not big bang theory you like almost mm. almost never that's and, a great point i mean and coming as someone I think if we're, if we're talking about our crew that on 302010 as a spectrum of video games, I am on the far side of no experience, no exposure. I mean, I, I yeah. and Diane is on the side of unfortunate osmosis. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In the middle to me and Antista. And I absolutely love this film. I mm-hmm. love it because I love subcultures and I, I love all the language and the rules and, you know, all that fun secret language that subcultures have and it's throughout this movie and I love watching it even though I don't get the references but mm-hmm. you know I get it's broad enough cultural references that I get most you, of the you know time. How, it, how much it hurts yeah. me that Scott Pilgrim courts people with trivia about video <laughs> games like I don't have any other game and 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 I if any of our barcades open again I don't know what I'll do but <laughs> yeah all right so I'm I'm going to court some controversy. So I, I love the aesthetic of this movie. Um, I I love the the general idea and you're right. The cast is wall to wall amazing, but I don't love this movie. And I've tried Mm. to figure out why I don't love the whole thing. And one of it is like a quibble. That's kind of dumb where it's like, if he's kind of, he seems to be kind of a loser, Scott Mm -hmm. Pilgrim. But he has like a ton of friends. Right. And a lot of them don't seem to do anything as a function. Like, okay, Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza are two people. I, I love both of them. Why are they different characters? They seem to be the same person. Mm. They serve the same purpose as being his friend slash sister who's there to tell him to get his head out of his ass. I, I think that's the process of adapting the comic. Is she And she was always... Aubrey Plaza is the more coarse like uh yeah. honest and dude she's really funny in this movie this is yeah no i'm i'm saying i love them and they're really funny uh i just watched they did a, a partial mm-hmm. like an abridged script live stream and it was so freaking funny and Aubrey plaza brought props <laughs> and she killed it and chris evans's adorable dog dude, was laying on top of him like the whole chris thing evans, chris evans chris evans fake eyebrows in this film oh, and, yeah. Br- and brie yeah. larson before we know 
I didn't really know who she was. And like, mm-hmm. she's playing a hilarious character. If you know who Brie Larson is, like mm, yeah. as Envy Adams from uh, Clash of Demon Head out on the NES in 1988. Yes. That, <laughs> uh-huh. that... Yeah. But okay. So here's, here's, here's my big reason why I don't love this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't see Ramona flowers as a character. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is wonderful. I, I love her in a bunch of other stuff. She fucking killed it on Fargo last season. But the whole thing is predicated on him f- ha- falling in love with this girl who we see almost no personality from. He seems to just love her because she's pretty. Mm-hmm. And he goes through all of this shit for some girl that is barely there. And that fucking drives me crazy. Well, I, if I just had one line of her even saying, you don't even know me. Why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through this? That would that would like fix everything for me. I'm, she's such a thinly drawn character. I'm with you in that I cannot imagine anybody fucking Michael Sarah. I know that's what you're saying. <laughs> and but but like no, uh, that's not what I'm saying. But Joey, I, like I make the chasing Amy comparison. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams, uh, Lissa in, in in chasing mm-hmm. Amy, in that she is the alluring worldly much more experienced like the more he learns yeah. about her the more attracted he is to her because he thinks i, I should what the fuck but is what, this but what does he learn about her L- literally describe her character that we is, know she's from america yeah you know she delivers packages for amazon on rollerblades she has colorful hair she has seven x's uh which by the way is is changed to the colors of, of zelda's yeah. triforce from ocarina of time uh but <laughs> but uh but it's it's more the like the idea of forcing Scott Pilgrim to be more mature in order to be with her because the moment the moment right. you see him talk to her like, dude, this girl shouldn't want anything to do with you. You need to do a lot of work in order to yeah. like. She seems she seems ten years older than you in general, and I know it, the comic elaborates on that a little more. But like, but how far? Again, the seven evil exes are Scott Pilgrim's insecurities based on right. how many things Ramona Flowers has done. And and what are they? I mean, they they talk about it. They talk about it in the movie. Like, well, there's one brief reference that she she can like basically warp through space and time, which I know is more of a thing in the comics, and she's just left there being confusing in the movie. Um, I, yeah, I think that's some of the, some... my big problem. I don't see personality. I feel like he's just projecting onto her. And if that were the point, I might love this movie even more. But that doesn't seem to be the point. As, I thought that. I think it was the point. I mean, this is definitely a movie that's like from the male gaze, obviously. Yes, yes. Not the, the way there, that there, I like. It, it, <laughs> I was going to say there's an inherent something less than sexism in the movie that the movie is also trying to address. But I mean, I do think that it is. I do think that is the point of it. And I mean, if you look at the timeline, like it only takes place over the course of what a weekend, like. No. That isn't even enough time to get to know anyone, but I think it speaks to the main character's immaturity that he sees this girl immediately, like thinks that he falls in love with in love with her. I want her. I should have her. That he's going to fight people for her and cheat mm-hmm. on his girlfriend. Yes, mm-hmm. like that's that's a testament to his own immaturity. Cheat on his girlfriend, who he doesn't care about, but he's bored. And he's willing to mm, yeah. to emotionally manipulate a seventeen year old. There's there's like again, it's not like nefarious. But he doesn't know he's doing it. right. Like yeah, it's not yeah. it's not it's he's not he's not Quagmire or for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, like the Scott Pilgrim isn't a hateable protagonist, but like the things that are everything I find irritating about him, I I embodied around mm. his age. So I, I don't know. I can I can 
from a woman's perspective, I think everything you're saying is correct, but because <laughs> it's from such a male perspective, but like mm-hmm. it really did hold a mirror up to a portion of my life and like god that really was embarrassing i'm glad someone made a movie i can laugh at that about yeah and i i appreciate all of that Mm -hmm. i i wish i wish the movie called scott pilgrim more on that besides that like by the end of the movie he has accepted like that was wrong of me to date this teenager and then just like string her along. And he I actually literally dick. said that to knives. <laughs> yeah. He realizes he was a dick mm-hmm. and that was bad. And so, yeah, growth. That's cool. But we don't, I don't get a huge impression that Ramona flowers wants to be with him. That would kind of be the best ending is if he defeats all the seven evil exes and she's well, like, Diana, Dude, I never asked you to do that. That's how I feel. <laughs> I get the same feeling from every girl I'm with. Like, like it would be more yeah, work to not. Like, it'd be more work not I to be with them. Date you. Yeah. Why do you think I would date you if you achieved this? Well, if, oh, if you did oh, this, oh, oh, but, 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 but she as, did take him back to her house and got in bed with him. It was it. It Which seemed pretty weird. quick, but again, it's drawn out a little more. But it's like I, I, I don't know. Like I don't like I don't. I, I have someone who has, and I don't care about this kind of stuff anymore. But I as someone who has pursued one or two women who I think are cooler than me. I pursued women who are hotter than me and smarter than me. It's a different scenario when you like encounter someone who you think is cooler than you. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's a different kind of best behavior. And I think the movie's perfect about that. Like I was a little scene kid. I was at, I was going to shows not because I love punk music, just because, like no one else really wanted like accepted mm. me around. Yeah, no, and, I I understand you relating to this, mm. and it does relate to a very specific kind of like immaturity, getting your footing, uh, you know, having all these neuroses and doubts and whatever. I'm asking you to look at to look at the movie as Ramona Flowers versus the world. No, mm. I, I I I agree because. She seems she, to be less she, fleshed out than every other female really character. Really, there she is. The, yes, I know more about every other female character than our female lead. Well, and why yeah. would we go through all this stuff for a cardboard cutout? But I, again, but I think that's why she's too. so cool. She doesn't talk about the shit. She hears about it through whispers from other people. Yeah. What if they're all wrong? I, I, right, right. What if there's no finger cuff situation? I know, and, but. That's true, though, for all the female characters in this movie. I mean, all the characters in this movie I are the vast majority of them that aren't um, Ramona are just angry bitches. No, <laughs> no, no, no. They're upset. They're upset. Scream at him all the time. Or the one girl who's like obsessed with him and thinks he's the greatest thing ever. Heart eyes emoji. And then there's mm-hmm. Ramona. Yeah, the high so school like, girl. Yeah, there's not a lot of three-dimensional women. Any, any man, any man yeah. listening to this, and it's why it's illegal, you can go win the heart of a high school girl. It's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Movies and have conditioned them to, to just but, eat that up. Yeah, we yeah. saw it maybe. in Pineapple Express. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and maybe is maybe it's just my killjoy feminism running wild, but um, those, those angry bitch women, they're like, oh, right. All the time. Yeah, but exactly. That was my read from reading the comp. Like they're right, and and it sucks that they have to talk to Scott about this because he's so unobservant of his own behavior. And I love mm-hmm. that. That's why they're so angry. They're like, "God, you're such an idiot." Yeah, like, Scott. Scott sucks. The same way you know, like George Costanza sucks. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the- too, they're the like. 
speaking specifically of Aubrey Plaza and um, Anna Kendrick, they're both the only two characters who have jobs. Hmm. No. Oh, is it, did they update the Bechtel test? I didn't. I didn't read that one. <laughs> the, mm, what's I'm your job? Saying, I just. Yeah. I, I spent a, a fair amount of my twenties like working and going to school while hanging around a lot of video game guys who weren't doing either. Shut <laughs> up! Mm-hmm. Shut up! Yeah, I know she's talking about. Just don't, don't fucking veil. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> I was always I'm working. Just, but, but like, I, here's the thing. Some of that comes back to having. Why are there so many characters that don't do anything? Does young Neil affect the plot ever? Why is he there? I love Bugs- that. I love young Neil that he knows all of Scott's parts, but Scott is. It still means more for Scott to be in the band than for young Neil. And young Neil is one year one year younger than all of them. It's little things are conveyed like that. That he used to date Allison mm-hmm. Pill, who I'd never mm-hmm. seen before, and I yeah. think she's fantastic. And mm-hmm. and uh, I. I'm, I'm again. I'm not looking through the same lens you are, but I'm 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 a different person than I was ten years ago. And the person mm-hmm. I want to know the most about is Wallace Wells. Like, why are you allowing <laughs> Scott Pilgrim? Like, I I have I have a free yeah. house guest here, but she doesn't sleep in my bed, and it's not a one bedroom apartment. Like, how how is this okay with you? And the, his nonchalance, like, also you need to go, <laughs> like. <laughs> like how is this ever cool? Like, I want to know so much more about him uh, than yep. anybody else in the movie. I, I just realized, I think Chris Evans murders Allison Pill in Snowpiercer. Yeah, he does. Yes. <laughs> I actually didn't recognize Allison Pill, Pill um, in this movie because to me, a big part of her my facial recognition of her is her forehead. Oh, very large. Mm. And when she has oh. bangs, I cannot recognize her. Yeah, you gotta go. On, you gotta. <laughs> you gotta go purely on the gums. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh boy, okay. I know. I'm but mad. also, I a hundred percent agree with you, Diana, on all of your points. And I, but I still love the movie because partially too because it's like Xanax for my eyeballs. Like it's so <laughs> pretty to watch. There's something to yeah. see like in every single scene, and I think it should have been nominated for Academy Award for uh, costume because mm. all the clothes are perfect. Like seriously, to a T. the ringer tees, yeah. the like, yeah. and, and yes, yeah, some of them are video game references, but like it, it is very specific to a certain time and uh, and place yes. and group. And, yeah. To a point where it like hurt my heart because I was so nostalgic for it. I was like, oh, that Aww. was me in like 2003, and I loved it. Oh, and, and and fantastic music written by Beck. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like Beck doing Beck doing his best version of amateur music. It's so cool, <laughs> like mm-hmm. of amateur bands. And like I remember being in bands and like. I have a hook I haven't heard before. I'm going to exploit the hell out of it. This song is terrible, but it's the best I can do. And like Beck somehow managed to get that out of every fucking song in this Mm -hmm. film. And there's also an 8-bit version of the soundtrack. Um, (laughs) Man, I can't say enough great things about Scott Pilgrim. And I'm going to have to do a lot of them on the Patreon show, sadly. Mm. Uh, it because it has something else that coincides with it. Um, Just a Scott Pilgrim, if if I haven't said this so far... In, in also there was a game released in conjunction with it. It mm-hmm. it validated everything I accidentally became. In like, oh, mm. you, you had a place you belonged all the time. We just didn't have a name for it, and we still sort of don't. But like, uh, it, 
it made me feel very happy and it still does. And it bums me out. Like, why isn't this on TBS every fucking Saturday afternoon? Cause I do think, mm. you, do you not think young people could, younger people could get something out of this? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Because, no, I, and as much as uh, I'm criticizing a, a lot about the movie overall, I mean, it looks so different than everything else. And I, I would love to see more of that. Just how how inventive and interesting it is. Even if I hated every second of it, I would still think it was pretty damn yeah. inventive. But I really like most of it. But man, it's just that one thing. Just I can't, I can't quite get over. I feel also, that I I I have heard the video game is much beloved. The, the game is one of the best things to come out of this. Uh, if you have that on your Xbox 360 or PS3, don't delete it. It is gone forever. And you will never be able to get it back. And I have mine. It is a the deepest old school retro beat 'em up. I've I love it. I and the soundtrack is the Beck soundtrack, the Anamanaguchi soundtrack. Everything about everything mm-hmm. about it. Like there was something uh, like I don't know. Like I don't want to get too deep into this because. Um, but I've talked to your husband about it. Like I hate how we fueled things like Gamergate by making gamers feel like an oppressed minority which we never were mm. but we but we no, I... but we did feel underrepresented and uh, uh, uh overlooked and then like yeah. in 2010 like oh people recognize people can see us neat and uh mm. scott pilgrim was part of that like uh like oh yeah there are things that we all collectively like liking this kind of culture and scott and like and doesn't and again doesn't like people play video games like twice in the movie it's just all game references because that's what w- they used to be doing and what they care about and what what's their yeah. universal bond. Anyway, I'm sorry. This has been so long. I love this film. I love this film. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I only loved it a tiny it's... bit less when I watched it before. And I'm sure your mm. criticisms are correct. Ramona was always supposed to be is she unobtainable. Like, I who is this mystery woman? And, and I, the other, the books they gloss over examine that more. I, it's a very, very bizarre adaptation. I'm again, mm. like it's front loaded with the first book. There are six books condensed into the second half, uh, mm. and a great plot reference when lesbian Mae Whitman also <laughs> the reunion of uh, Michael Blue and, and Egg. Egg, uh, yes, like uh... <laughs> she's so fucking funny in this. She's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah I, I also I did not yeah. love the way the whole lesbian angle was played it's not fun now yeah. that's not yeah. it didn't age well let's just put it that way but that's it's exactly how i yeah. put it but i'm glad yeah. i'm glad it happened because like ramona if you played the game is awesome and um has that hammer the whole time yeah and when you and like and, yeah. and, and just like during this period when i would go to cons uh ramona was one of the most cosplayed people ever with the star purse and the hammer mm-hmm and the hair it was like it was it was a a good regardless of what you have to say about her personality and how uh, but a good character design um that women liked and immediately Mm -hmm. embraced and that was it was awesome to be around that yeah i'll take may whitman any day because she has uh the best line in the movie that i repeat often because i have a small dog who likes to kick and i say ah you punch me in the boob (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, Dude, pets always be pump, punching you in the boob. Yeah. My pets mm-hmm. are constantly punching me in the boob, standing on just mm. standing on my boob, like with their yeah. one little pool cue <laughs> chicken leg just like right in there. 
so rude. You guys, you guys, uh, we're on a podcast. You can't see Sarah, but she is half boob. She is. Fair. Oh, someone draw her. No, let's, let's do not put that on DeviantArt, please. <laughs> it's its anniversary. What else are we gonna do? Uh, oh. So all the nerds were very sad. That uh, Scott Pilgrim in, in lost the, money. The last thing I'll say about it in the words of Guillermo del Toro, who hosted a symposium with Edgar Wright in his in his wonderful, better than my English yet still broken. Anybody who didn't see Scott Pilgrim is a motherfucker. <laughs> it's 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 captured on Twitter. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro said that. Like, uh, it's the best quote about the the best critical review of the movie I've ever heard. I want to also add something. Edgar Wright is a great follow on tr- Twitter. Excuse me. Yeah. Yes. He is yeah. Instagram. Post his double features that he's p- been posting. I don't know if he's doing mm-hmm. it daily anymore, but he was for a while. So good for movie recommendations. Yeah, it's just his own nerdery yeah. and like what he's into. Yeah. And Edgar Wright is, by the way, millennial Martin Scorsese. So he got Word. He, he is wonderful. He is yeah. one of our greatest directors. I love that man. Yep. I, I didn't even realize how much fun he was on Twitter until he started live tweeting spaced because I guess uh, BBC or somebody re- ran it like late at night because we're running out of programming. No one's making anything new. <laughs> oh, no. It was a couple months ago and I was like, oh, this is so fun to read 20 years later. What he has to say about these episodes. Skip to the end. And yeah, uh, his recommendations are so good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love that dude. Um, and then moving on. Jesus Christ, that was a long one. Uh, moving yeah, on to. But it did not make any money, unfortunately. Scott Pilgrim lost money. At the massive bump. Ew. Yeah. And, and which. Yeah, it's expensive. I, I was also championing, championing this movie. I wanted it to do well and become a franchise, and it did. And it sucks. It's one of the worst yep. things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, Mickey Rourke, Randy Couture, Dolph Lundgren, Terry Crews, Steve Austin, Stone Cold. Sorry, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Jet Li, <laughs> Jason Statham. Oh, shit. I was trying to think of uh, what's her name from Buffy. What's her name? Uh, Charisma Carpenter. Charisma yeah, I'm going to throw that one yeah. Jason Statham uh, and Sylvester Stallone in The Expendables. Give this job to my friend. He loves playing in the jungle. Ready. A team of legendary warriors on a mission. Ah! They weren't expected to survive. If we get out of here, it's a miracle. Let's see what you got. Bring it. Come on! Go. You know, it's not easy being your friend. The expendable. <sighs> Oof. We, Sarah and I watched this together, sadly. We did. <laughs> Uh, Like, I don't mean to say sadly, just because I I don't want to hate the movie. And and there's something a little dated in the idea. Like, dude, this really is the best action cast ever put together. Ever. In history. Yeah. In history. pretty amazing. And so few of them get anything to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. You put Jet Li in your movie and he's got two lines. it It feels hyper, hyper small compared to how big it should be because like a couple of friends of mine like half ironically were like super excited about this yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i was i love action movies this should have been mishpas instead it was just a mishigas (laughs) (laughs) good lord good lord you can't keep doing that sarah bringing the yiddish puns (laughs) yeah 
trying to write good zingers and getting one up every fucking week. I, oh, that just came man. out of my mouth like magic. That <laughs> brought me joy. Yeah, but Ooh. like watching, like I felt like watching this uh, together was a miserable experience. It's a, it's yeah, a, it wasn't fun. <laughs> it's a very very small movie, and it's like we got this giant cast, and like, well, why aren't they ever here? And and I remember Sam's like. We can leave as soon as Terry Crews shows up. I'm like, why isn't Terry Crews here the whole time? Like, like, uh, not you know, uh, disregard what you might think of Terry Crews right now. Um, but, but like, uh, he does have one of the. Be- it is the best scene in the movie: the automatic yeah. shotgun turning human beings into paste, which is like the yeah. whole movie should have been. Then I saw Sylvester Stallone's Rambo, which was more violent than Rambo yes. one, two, and three are combined. Which yes. received criticism in the '80s for being the most violent things that ever existed. Right. It, oh this, I, my God, Rambo! I it's why NC-17 exists, but we never use it for violence. Mm-hmm. That movie is so hyper disgusting violent. I couldn't believe it. But I love the idea of like, yeah, do like an '80s canon film throwback, but. You've got so many people in here. None of them get to do shit. Yeah, I think yeah. I think there's a, a weird contractual thing that made Jason Statham the star of the film because mm. he is he is he belongs in the pantheon of Expendables' uh, biggest action stars ever. But he was the only one who could carry a movie on his own, and mm. everyone else, you know, I, I Jet Li. I, I I meant to look into Jet Li more because I thought he. He's like, I'm not going to do any more action movies. I'm a man of peace, and I want to fucking do Buddhism shit. I thought he retired from action movies, and he does his total Jet Li thing here for one sec, for like 40 seconds. And yeah. But, yeah. but mostly, like, I forget. Shit, I, I meant to get the title of it. We talked about the black exploitation episode. Uh, what was it? Jim Brown put together, like, a like the, the expendables of black exploitation in the mid-'90s. And that was a mm-hmm. really cool thing to see all these people get back together who weren't leading people anymore. And I thought this would be that. Instead, it was like a really cliched straight-to-video action film, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. with a with with a mildly high higher budget thanks to Lionsgate. But like, dude, like I don't know. Like I couldn't stop thinking of Marvel stuff because Marvel stuff in 2010 is two years old. And to get to Avengers, we get to learn all these awesome things about every one of our characters. But mm-hmm. even when Avengers... No, no, that's not fair to say either. Um, but when Avengers Age of Ultron starts, every Avenger gets to do something cool. That doesn't really happen here. No one gets... Like, no one really gets cool moments. We're just told that, like, this guy was once the best there was. Like, yeah. Like, well, wait 40 minutes and he might do something. And like, I don't someone know... Someone why they have a cauliflower ear. Yeah. Like, we know... Yeah. I don't yeah, know who Randy Couture maybe is. You got maybe you got punched a lot. Yep, maybe. turns out yeah. you were punched a lot. I don't know who yeah, Ra- Randy Couture Randy is. Couture's here, <laughs> fucked up. I don't know who Randy Couture is, but he is like you're one of the best actors in this film, my friend. <laughs> like, He's an MMA man, right? I I just yeah. don't know that world. I like I, yeah. I wanted Stone Cold Steve Austin to talk more, mm. and he did not. Yeah, it's it is interesting to think about this in like looking at the Avengers, where the Avengers. <laughs> I rewatched it, I don't know, like a while back and realized every character has an arc. They all get something to do. We see them interact. Right. Right. We Perfect. understand who they are. Even if you've seen no other Marvel movies at all, yeah. you would be able to pick it up pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And this, mm-hmm. not really, everyone doesn't really get much to do. We don't, the characters are somewhat differentiated. 
I think the weirdest thing is Dolph Lundgren character starts out as a good guy, becomes a bad guy, tries to kill everyone, and at the end they're just having beers with him. Like he's bad. I I was glad I rewatched it in that he is clearly acting out on his friends, and he murders everyone who gets close to murdering his friends, Mm -hmm. including Mm. one of the most technically vicious scenes where he like stomps a guy's face into the dashboard who's about to shoot his friends he mm-hmm. is he's acting out and i i, I remember, that was my takeaway from the end of the movie like why did dolph lundgren dead show up at the end of the movie and like eh, his maybe his friends didn't help him out enough and and that i i tried to whisper that to sarah in terms of like gender identity because <laughs> 10 years ago if this is what a man is i hate it and i don't want to be a man <laughs> anymore i hate Every song, everything anyone <laughs> says, the way everyone talks, the the cars they drive, the things they do, like I, none <laughs> of this relates to me. We yeah. should we should have dinner together when in a thousand years. Ah, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Got him. That's a terrible <laughs> joke and like just a mean thing to do to a, a alleged friend. Like this all oh. sucks. I hate it all. I, Dude, the ads fucking lead with Schwarzenegger and Willis who have cameos. Uh-huh. At least, so many ads at least, are just like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. You have, we'll you have, have to remember together. Schwarzenegger and Stallone in the 90s traded barbs within movies. And this is the mm-hmm. first time you see them standing next to one another on the screen. That's neat. Well, except for at openings of Planet Hollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and bad Hawaiian shirts with two long cigars. But yeah. Bruce Willis is so blue screen. Like, how busy <laughs> are you, man? This is a two-minute scene. You are not present with any other human being in this film. And look, I will always have love in my heart for Sylvester Stallone. I think he is a fascinating character when it comes to a, a fascinating person when it comes to his mm. relationship with Hollywood. Mm. I mean, he's obviously a gifted writer, and um, Sam has really filled me in like a lot on a lot of his history in that he really was trained to be like a classical actor like Shakespeare actor wanted to be on the stage but he has like what is perceived as like a uh a speech palette. impediment almost mm-hmm. because apparently mm-hmm. when he was born the forceps that doctors used to use during that time uh gave him nerve damage in his face to the point where he has like sort of a weird way manner of speaking which is like kind of left him out of a yeah, lot of roles, um, apparently. Hard to open my mouth. looks like I had a stroke and I'm only 20. Uh, but the, the thing you always have to remember, and I, I hope the world remembers when S- Stallone is dead, Stallone is a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. isn't a filmmaker. He's never written anything. Bruce Willis has never written anything. Stallone got into this business writing things and like mm-hmm. making shit happen. His biggest paycheck was to direct the the. Saturday Night Fever sequel after Rocky was successful. And but because he's a fucking filmmaker and mm-hmm. he cares about making he has pro, he has passion projects. And this is a I don't want to shit on him because it's a cool passion project, but like I still I wish it was like I wish everybody's life was in danger and no one feels that danger at any point. Nah. I thought like maybe one of the lower build guys would die. Like Randy Couture, maybe. I'd be mad if it were Terry Crews. Right. I feel like someone else and it was Stone Cold. Uh, well, he is the worst actor of the bunch, but I I do love Stone Cold. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we'll say Stallone co-wrote and directed it, and yeah. the directing's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an okay director. No, I think he's, a, he's great. Good, he's but, a really yeah, fun Copland. director. I don't think he directed Copland. He didn't direct Copland. Um, oh, sorry. But uh, but 
he, but the idea that like, yo, th- he this guy wanted to make movies, put them on screen, and did, and then became a star, and then became the star of the some of the worst movies imaginable, <laughs> which now are really fun. But uh, but that he still wants to do it, and he's kind of clung to his older characters. It's been fine in the Rocky universe, not so much in the Rambo universe. Mm. But um, I would love to see what he's got now. Like he he doesn't need the money; he just likes it. I love Stallone for that, and I think he deserves a little bit more admiration than we give him. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, but I, I but like I, this is a missed opportunity or something. Just I don't know. Make I, it cheesier, maybe. I don't right. know. I hate this movie, and the next one's even worse, and I have never mm-hmm. bothered to see the third one. And uh, It either needs to be cheesier or less cheesy. Like, yeah. pick a lane. Because this, like, what we were talking earlier about, like, it could have been, like, the Avengers, or everyone had a backstory. It could have even been, like, Ocean's Eleven, where nobody really Ooh. had, like, perfect. Perfect. a real perfect. backstory. But they all had Damn. discernible personalities and skill sets. Yeah, yes. and none of them do. None of them do. Yeah. yeah. And, and and people like the whole time like are they in danger? Aren't there seven more of them who are yeah, supposed exactly. to be here? Wait, and then you're like, wait a minute, I know I'm missing someone, but who? Yes. Some other muscle man is not on screen. <laughs> like, and 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 it's 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 another one of those Hollywood things. Like everything takes place in the fucking dark for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very and, dark. Um, I, I hate it because of how much I wanted to love it. I saw Scott Pilgrim first and then Expendables. I was there day one. I was very excited. And it, it, it's disappointed me to this day. And uh, I was even more disappointed now just because, like, I thought they were making a movie for me. And then everything I, I see in this movie, like, I hate all these people. This is the worst yeah. music I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> I can't stand no, this. <laughs> it's, this movie is not for you unless you're wearing a No Fear t-shirt. Yeah. Word. The soundtrack is terrible score or wrestling entrance themes and i can i'm not just haha that's what i'm trying to describe the theme of this movie was turned into a wrestling entrance theme. <laughs> uh, eventually was. from shine down diamond eyes but it did something else weird to me and i just wanted to share it with you guys uh this is the theme of the movie where they there's a titular line expendables and shine down's diamond eyes So I hate this stuff. <laughs> Whatever style of music this is, uh, trapped esque, I fucking hate it. And Sarah and I watched it, and like they left, and this is the credits are playing. This is a six minute song, and I'm just listening to it. And my girlfriend's like, "Are you humming this?" I'm like, "No, I would never hum <laughs> this song." It got another song stuck in my head. What you just heard. That it made me laugh to no end, and I and behind the scenes, I delayed the podcast by like twenty minutes trying to mix them together. It's impossible. Biscuit, stop it. No. Uh. <laughs> it's the same. It's the I love same it. jam, Gaga. We got you, you Expendables fan. Gaga, your secret <laughs> Expendables fan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Man, moving on to television, uh, if I can try and make this segment quick, which is impossible at this point. Chowder concludes on Cartoon Network. And I I know our 
our old friend uh, uh, Maddie J loved chowder. And it was just one of those things like I was in college or traveling and I never had cable. I never saw it. Um, but its final episode description made me very happy because I know it was about cooking and an uh, immature character. In the final episode, Mung tells Chowder that one day uh, he'll have to grow up and run the kitchen on his, own, uh, uh, on his own once he becomes old enough. Chowder does not want to grow up and sings a song explaining why, uh, but he kept singing the song for 20 years and grows up naturally. <laughs> He then sees what all his friends grew up to be and realizes he just stopped acting like a kid. So, and it's it's almost very Scott Pilgrimy. Uh, another finale that happens this week is a show I have uh, I'm of two minds about because mm-hmm. it is it is of a more accepting libertarian era. But I I don't hate Penn Jillette. I love Penn and Teller, and Penn and Teller's bullshit is mostly pretty great, pretty mm. mean to vegans sometimes, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it has its finale and it's, I love the idea. I see clips from its finale to this day because the, the subject it tackled on the last episode of its eighth season on Showtime. Let's let Pendulette say it. So even if vaccination did cause autism, which it fucking doesn't, anti-vaccination would still be bullshit. <laughs> And if yeah. you never if you never watch bullshit, um, they explain only in the first episode. We can't call these people liars, and we can't without being sued, and we can't call them uh, frauds without being sued. But we can say this is bullshit. Fuck you, <laughs> and these motherfuckers, <laughs> these asshole, like they they curse so much to avoid libel lawsuits. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, and and it, if Penn and Teller Bullshit is one of the shows that's kind of fun to revisit outside of the libertarian aspects. Um, yeah. Yes. And we it, watched all of um, Adam Ruins Anything with my stepson. He got really into that. It's a great and, spiritual successor. And yeah. Way absolutely. better research. It kind of makes me think, like, maybe we should go back and uh, watch some bullshit with him because he's of the age where he can really appreciate a lot I, of that. I stuff. think you should go through it. We should, somebody should make a guide because there are, like, yeah, 100 episodes. And some of them are like, dude, skip that one. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of games out this week, we'll talk more about these on Patreon.com slash LaserTime. Um the seven, what is it? The seventh through the thirteenth, we got Crash Team Racing is released on PSN. Madden NFL Eleven. Most of you have never heard of that. And Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game, one of my favorite <laughs> movie tie-ins of any kind. Uh, Monday Night Combat and Victoria Two. But Scott Pilgrim is the one I, I'm pretty sure we'll end up talking about in depth. It is so fucking good and so <laughs> big and has the best soundtrack ever on Amanaguchi. you know i love him if you've been listening to me for a while and if you've been listening to me for a while excuse me while i plug laser time uh Vich game apocalypse and uh our producers like jd holen and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time but don't duck out just yet we got a quiz on who lived and who died uh but die where can people find you they can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show uh, also on Twitter at 302010-302010-podcast, 302010-podcast. And uh, coming up next week, finally, Nicolas Cage and David Lynch together Ooh. at last. <laughs> yes. Mm. I have not seen this movie yet, and I will watch it. Thank oh, you. goodness. Uh, who will be dead this week, Di, during this period? Uh, 1990-2010. August 7th to the 13th. Who died that we would know about? 
Uh, well, we lost uh, two actresses who are as famous as some of the other people we talk about, but I'm going to shout them out anyway. In 2000, we lost Loretta Young, who was 87. Uh, she was a star going back to the 30s and stuff, and she had Clark Gable's love child. What? And yeah, she she secretly had a baby and then um, pretended to adopt the baby. And it's, yeah. But it had a thin ears. mustache and chewed carrots. We all know. It had giant ears. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should throw out later later on, uh, she told her daughter that it was what we would now describe as date rape. This makes me very sad. And then in 2010, uh, we lost Patricia Neal, who's 84. You remember her from Breakfast at Tiffany's or Hood. Oh, not not the black comedian. Okay. No, not Patrice O'Neal. I was about to get real That's, sad. For a second there, I had to take a second to reread yeah. that. It's like, eh, he wasn't 84. <laughs> no. No, just a large so, diabetic man. Oh, I miss yeah. you, Patrice. I do, too. And With deaths out of the way. Birthdays! Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday! Let's do this. All right, having a birthday this week. Turning sixty years old, born August tenth, nineteen sixty, in Malaga, Spain. Antonio Banderas. God damn it! Wow, yeah! really? Left out. I should have left out Spain. Mother. Yeah, if you just would have said the city, nobody would have gotten. I should have just said Malaga. Oh, I feel bad now. Anyway. Malaga, Wisconsin? Yeah, Malaga, Wisconsin. <sighs> well, let me run through some information about him anyway, because it, I found very interesting information. Uh, he went to acting school and joined a small theater company in Malaga and was arrested for performing a Bertolt Breck play, which was censored by the Franco government. They were under fascism at the time. Uh, he was arrested several times for performing anti-Franco material. That's very cool, especially when you think about how he played Che in the movie Evita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, uh, I, I, I never was anti-Franco until I watched the interview again. And, <laughs> um, sorry. He's also a great love, so. Uh, he also co-owns a winery, uh, has a series of perfumes, and enrolled himself in fashion school in 2015 just because he was interested. Mm. Huh. Yeah. But he was and totally then, charming about it. I bet he was super charming. Uh his movies we've talked about, Matador, The Other Man, Play to the Bone, 13th Warrior, Time Me Up, Time Me Down, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, uh, Shrek the Third and Forever After, Evito, and Mask of Zorro, a movie I fucking love. Mm-hmm. Also, his eight movies with Pedro Almodovar, every single one I've seen has been amazing. And uh, last, live in. I tidbit, love last tidbit, I didn't realize uh, for the Shrek movies, mm-hmm. for the dubs, he does the English, Spanish, and Italian. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Antonio Banderas is pretty cool. Banderas. If you've never, like got his appeal watch some of his movies in spanish it took me a, re- a real long time and alma devar is a big part of that yeah. um and whatever that that it's a pretty terrible movie but was he nominated for an oscar for it the one him and gary oldman are in um he... but it's it's so fun so yeah fun. what's the, the most recent one was pain and glory is supposed to be fantastic and mm. mm-hmm. so yep so he's not better. just the nascent x b mm-hmm. not just the nice and He's not just Mr. Melanie Griffith. He is Antonio well, Vendetta. Former anymore. Mr. Melanie Griffith, yeah. Right. right. Uh, and with that, people, hey, you can check out more at lasertimepodcast.com. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash lasertime. We have a bunch of extra stuff for you. New 302010 games where we talk with our buddy Chris Baker and Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Parez, and Maddie T. Allen about uh, the video games celebrating anniversaries. Sick of Star Wars has a new episode and we're entering into the original trilogy. So please give that a listen. Five bucks, patreon.com slash lasertime. I, I, we gotta close out with Sex Bob Bomb. I, I don't know <laughs> why, but I think 
Scott Pilgrim, the mo- opening of the movie, the, the credit sequence is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, yeah. In just its retrograde wonderfulness. Um, I love that movie. I hope you guys love it too. Let's close out with that. We will be back next week.